back, everybody. This is the Film Cafeteria. I'm Scott. And I'm Brittany. And today we are talking about schools out for summer. Yes. We're talking about um, uh, kind of teen movies, high school kind of oriented films. Though it's funny because even though technically school is back in, we've decided to do an end of a summer schools out for summer kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) this has been... Mostly because, like, throughout most of our summer this year, we were watching a lot of these kinds of movies. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun just to pick out a few of our favorites. And these are just movies we go back to a lot. Um, I will say this is more your genre than my own. Because <laughs> I know I've noticed that these are the, the comfort movies for you that you go back yeah, to the most. Is. Stuff in this genre in general. Yes. Um, I guess, do you want to start with honorable mentions or with our main movies? How do you want to start it? I mean, well, I guess we can do some honorable mentions. Yeah, just kind of get them out of the way. Yeah, go okay. ahead and mention some of the things that we just, that's not quite what we're going to talk about in long yeah. term, but like definitely get some out. So these are kind of interesting to me because we started talking about this and then we realized very quickly that this is another thing that's going to have a part to. Yeah. <laughs> that this is another thing that's going to have a second half because as much as you have coming of age movies. Mm-hmm. They also sometimes filter into college. Yeah. So you have kind of these two sides where yeah. one side is high school and the other side is college. Yeah. And we kind of are focusing on the high school ones with this one. Mm-hmm. But then we realized too that it was this was actually kind of weirdly hard because you have movies that still take place during the school year. Then you have movies that take place during summer break. And then you mm-hmm. have... So we tried to kind of pick movies that paired together but then you have all of these other great movies that are just kind of left yeah behind that you can still talk about yeah and so one that i'll throw out just kind of right off the bat which was one that occurred to me this morning that i think we mentioned but it was still one of those ones i was like oh yeah was calling by your name oh yeah which we did not watch recently right. but i mean we have a bunch we've, of times. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it a bunch of times. But yeah. we did not watch that more recently. Yeah. And but still an honorable mention. Still an honorable mention. Still, like, a, a really, really fantastic film that actually fits into this specific genre. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, they are, of course, in school. Yeah. When, or, you know, on summer break. Right? I was about to say, yeah, yeah. summer break. And... Is it, aren't they in... Well, so I think that was the thing, right? It was the Army Hammer is in college. I think Tim is still, Timmy Tim is yeah, still technically yeah, yeah. in high, high school. school. Yeah. And we just don't really talk about that part of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because it is summer. So they yeah. don't really touch too much on it that much. But you no. remember when um, Army Hammer goes, yeah. aren't they in France? They're in Italy. Italy. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You know how I was going to say Italy at first, but I was like, no, I, I think I'm wrong. It's, it, it's, well, it, it's France. <laughs> the, um, the main reason why I remember the Italian connection, so to speak, yeah. is just because of um, uh, Luca being the director. Oh, yeah, the, you're uh, right. You know, Guadagnino. So. Oh, yes, you're yeah. right. Okay. Yes, you're right. So, yes, there he is. And, and he definitely made sure to get his hometown. No, there. you're right. <laughs> so, that's why I'm like, yes, that is the yeah. cool thing. Um, so, it's funny because... You know, Army Hammer, when he first arrived, you remember that's supposed to have been more of an internship for him. So yeah. technically, it was still school related. Yeah, like a foreign exchange. Yeah, kind of yeah, because it was supposed to be, yeah. So yeah. I was like, you know, it's his professor. And he yeah. went to kind of learn about a lot of like 
like history and things yeah. like that. Oh, because wasn't he a history major or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was like they, they were specifically dealing with like translations and historical texts and things yeah. like that. And that movie to me is one of those movies where I enjoy the movie. I, I'm particularly fond of the fact that it's one of a whole host of movies we've seen, some of which we've covered yeah. on here. Movies like Armageddon Time, mm-hmm. Licorice Pizza, I think you throw Roma in there. Yeah. Movies that are very obviously tied to a director's younger years or formidable years and very much telling you something very specific about them like them as individuals during that period of time and how like it it really kind of feels like a lot of great filmmakers are trying to get their personal works in before Disney just takes everything over and destroys the industry (laughs) (laughs) Nice <laughs> throw in there. <laughs> yeah. And it, it does feel that way. And that was one of those ones. But to me, that whole entire movie revolves around the Michael Stuhlberg monologue yeah. at the end where you realize that maybe there's something very similar that happened with him that he didn't actually go all the way with when he was a kid. Hey, I don't want to say anything <laughs> yeah. because I would not know. Yeah. You know and how I, I do. Yeah. You know, I'm not and speculating anything unless he came out and said it. I yeah. do not speculate well, anything. It was one of those things I always thought was interesting that there is this vagueness to it yeah. that you could read it multiple ways. Yeah. And I thought that that was, that whole monologue is so gorgeous and so beautiful and yeah. so well performed. Yeah. That you're just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. But that's a great thing. I think that's where we get some of our best film yeah. And storytelling from is when people can kind of retrace, yeah, you know, the steps of their like childhood yeah. and where they lived and their environment and where they grew up, their culture and yeah. things like that. And I think we get some a lot of the best movies out of that those times. I think so too. I think that the idea of personal filmmaking going away is quite yeah. terrifying. Yeah, it and is. It's something that is interesting because it taps into this specifically, and yeah. I think that there's a very interesting conversation we had about the first of our movies specifically because of the director himself and where he's gone yeah. since making that movie. But it is interesting to me to look at movies like I had written down like call me by your name, mm-hmm. fast times at Richmond high stand by me. Yes. Uh, uh, wet hot American summer. Yeah. And then of course, most of the movies that we picked, these are all personal movies. Yeah. These are all movies in which filmmakers are reflecting back on a time when they were younger and yeah. wanting to talk about that period of time for whatever yeah. reason yeah and i think that's the best form of nostalgia though you know how like so a lot of our films and storytellings nowadays is yeah. based on nostalgia but i think that is the best form of nostalgia i think so too i think that's the thing that's the most interesting is that i mean i'll let you talk about this one because i don't know what to say about it because i haven't tried to watch it but i see stuff advertised like the summer i turned pretty or whatever it's called oh my gosh no, but I mean, I, there's not much I can say about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words because there's really not much I can say yeah. about that. The reason why I said it, because I, I maybe watched the first like three yeah. episodes yeah. and I can barely even get past the third one. Yeah. And I'm like, if someone is reflecting on a part of their life, like then I'm asleep. I'm sorry. Yeah, like it's that's... because it was like, not everybody has like this adventurous no time but it's it depends on how you tell the story and i'm like there's nothing there to me yeah i understand why maybe a lot of young adults and stuff like that may like it if they watch it because it it was renewed for multiple seasons yeah yeah so i understand why yeah like how they can like it because i'm like i don't understand how it can be renewed all those times if people are not 
yeah. enjoying it, but I didn't. I'm just yeah. gonna tell you, I don't. By the third, ep- the middle of the third episode, I could not do it anymore. It, it's very interesting to me that maybe in the middle of the second, because it feels long. You yeah. know that that show is only like 42 to 45 minutes, and when I was watching it, I thought I was watching it for an hour and a half i'm not even joking i thought it was about an hour and a half it fe- i kept looking at my time because it felt that long yeah as like a quick very very quick segue i thought it was very funny when we had that conversation because the night that you had watched that yeah. i had also watched a film called goodbye dragon Inn, mm-hmm. which is a movie that i highly recommend anybody go and watch it's a movie that i would love to eventually get onto this show at some point yeah um kind of want to go through the director's other films and see if I find a specific one that I think would maybe strike you the most. Yeah. But right now, that's kind of my favorite of his. That is a movie in which nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Literally nothing happens. It is a movie theater that is closing, and it's the people that sit down to watch the last show in this theater before it closes. That's the whole movie. There's nothing else. And yet, it was so poignant that in 83 minutes, I was almost in tears. Yeah. Just at the raw emotion of what you start to feel just in seeing these images unfold, even though you're not, there's not really a traditional story to it. And then when you were talking about this, I was like, that sounds like nothing happened. And I found it so ironic that I had watched a movie in which nothing happened. So I it mean, was but that's so what I was saying. Lit. It depends on how you tell the story <laughs> because not everybody has this like wild, amazing story to tell. No, but like, yeah. it depends on how you tell it. So yeah. You can always make it interesting. It depends Absolutely. on how you tell it. Just like, I mean, this might not be in any of our like honorable mentions, but because this wasn't based on like schools out or anything. Mm-hmm. But you remember we even mentioned Terry. You remember that movie oh, yeah. so that back was, in like 2014 or something? That like was that? one I wish I had written down. I love that. So I had never yeah. seen that before. Mm-hmm. I realized that I had seen, I think when we were working at the theater. Mm-hmm. I had seen the scene when they were drunk in the barn together. Yeah. Terry is a fantastic film done by a, a director that everybody should seek out named Azazel Jacobs. Uh-huh. And it stars John C. Riley and a, a group of kids. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I was floored by that one. Yeah. It was actually really good, but there wasn't a, a traditional no. story with that one either. No. And, but it was amazing. Yeah. I, that was a movie that like that one ended and I was just kind of, I honestly think that of the movies that we've watched recently that I either haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time, that was the one that stuck with me the most. Yeah. I still think about John C. Riley from time to time, just in my daily I know. walking around. And you've seen a different part of Creed from a... Man, he yeah. was, So you know... So we are fans of The Office. Yes. Huge fans of The Office. Yes. And you know that my favorite character on that show yes. is Creed. Yeah, his is Creed. Like, his <laughs> his his favorite character is Creed because yeah. he's just so weird. Yeah. And Creed is actually in Terry. Yes. <laughs> he, he plays the uncle and man, does he give a heartbreaking yeah. performance. Yeah. That was that whole entire movie was because he looked like he was going through either like Alzheimer's or dementia. Honestly, yeah, it was more like dementia than it, anything. It was definitely, um, I yeah. I you think remember because there was times where he was in and out of it, lucid, yeah. yeah. And there was times where he could come back and he re- remembered and recognized everything, and there was times mm-hmm. where he just didn't. So I think he was going through dementia. Yeah, and I I think that was one of the things I thought was so beautiful about that movie was the fact that. Um, I like something in movies that I think has been lost. And that is, I like when a movie will drop you what they call in medias res. Mm-hmm. Like, in, you know, Latin for in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. 
I like when movies do that. Yeah, but right. it depends on how you do it. That's the thing. But it it's has also to be done well. it almost reminds you of what uh, Steven Spielberg said about Horizons. Yes, if you really think about what you just said. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it, whenever to me, whenever I get dropped into the middle of things, you're right. If it's done right, yeah, and the angle is kind of tilted in this certain way, yeah, you wind up with a movie like Terry. Yeah, I. I, look, I like Marvel movies, but if it's done not right, it's like most Marvel movies. You just start in the middle of some action. You're just kind of like, oh, yay. Yeah. I am so bored by that happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't... You start a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and it starts in the middle of a fight, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I like watching Groot dance, and Mr. Yeah. Blue Sky is a great song. Yeah. But like, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's so generic. It's so yeah. flat, and it's so plain. Yeah, yeah. But then you watch them like Terry, and it really, truly drops you in the middle of things. Yep, it does. Because yeah, the there was like is... no in, there was no ending or beginning at that story. No. Like none you could tell. It's just like you just this, it's like someone like a, a like camera crew just decided yeah. to follow him one it, day. It was so... of school, like of his life, not even school. It's just of his li- a few yeah. days of his life in a week. Yeah. Like it was so like different. It was, it was. Just so different. And like just all of the, the way that those characters come together and the way that, you know, some of those things play out. The fact that there is every, all of the dramatic thrust of that movie is so hidden. Yeah. And so like kind of buried and, and kind of off to the side. We were talking about this after we watched the movie that, um, if it was a director who was not as good, mm-hmm. if it was a director who was, say, just your average studio director and that movie was made with a, you know, kissing booth type budget and a direct-to-Netflix kind of movie, that was a mediocre movie at best mm-hmm. about, like, aw, I feel <laughs> bad for the kid. Yeah. But, like, the fact that they took that script and then just said, no, 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 let's kind of go this way with it. We're going to improv a little bit. We're going to kind of play with the notions of some of these scenes. And we're going to keep everything so objective. Yeah. That, like, that was really, really mind-blowing to me. Yeah. To sit there and watch it. There's the scene at the end when they get drunk in most movies is, like, a three-minute sequence. Yeah. And then they move on to... Terry and the girl reconciling at school yeah. and her being like, Hey, you're not going to say anything. Right. And at the end, she maybe like kind of nudges him. Like she still maybe likes him. Yeah. And instead they don't do that. So that scene goes on for about like 14 or 15 minutes. Yeah. At least 10. It's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awkward. And it is one of the most honest pieces of filmmaking that I've ever seen because as kids, you end up in situations like that sometimes. Yeah. Where it's just like, there's a lot of regret, there's a lot of shame, and nobody is actually equipped to handle what they're yeah. doing yet. And you know what's so sad, too, is that you already start to see patterns and cycles in someone's life, even when they're young, about what their life may turn out to be if there's not something that changes them. Yeah. You know, like, for instance, um, I forgot her character's name, I'm so... The girl from Rescue Me? Yes, from Rescue Me. The daughter from Rescue Me. She's in there, right? And she's the main girl. And Terry befriends her. And the reason why, you remember she gets like uh, kicked out of school or she gets suspended or something like that? Yeah, because she's letting a guy... She lets a guy... Like, put his hands up her skirt. Basically, yeah, yeah, put a hand up her skirt and fondle her, basically, in class. And Terry sees it. Actually, the whole class sees it. Because Terry sees it. Yeah, and then... um, they. They it gets out and somebody yeah. tells on her and so instead of like I think I remember instead of kicking her out I think they suspend the boy 
But Terry stands up for her and says, yeah, but she didn't really want to. He said, I saw her rejecting him multiple times before she just let it happen. And then she got a reputation. But then when she goes over to Terry house at the end of the film, you remember, and they're drinking and then she, she takes one of the grandpa pills. Well, yeah. Was it at his his grandpa or his uncle or something? It was his uncle. It was yeah. his uncle. So they take one of his um, like medications. Yeah. And they're kind of like floating on air. They're like euphoric. Yeah. They never actually tell you what the pills they're taking. No, are, they but don't. I I have a strong feeling it was probably clonopin. Yeah. And you know something like yeah, that. something like yeah. that. And so they're just riding yeah. on high, you know. Yeah. And then they mix alcohol with it, and so yeah. she gets very uh, loose. Yeah. At the end where she's like, come here. And she takes off like her clothes and she tells Terry to come here to touch her. Do you want to see? And all those things. And then you see that it is actually a recurring situation in her life. So what happened to her earlier in the movie with the guy following her is not the only time that's happened. That's what's so sad about that. It is. And it's like the fact that they could approach that with just such blanket honesty. Yeah. Was really, really unbelievable. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is this is wild. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. I, I really, really That like was kinda that. awesome though. That yeah. was a really like really great like indie film. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that movie. Um So I, I guess back to our honorable mentions. Yeah, like some other honorable mention. Other I mean I just kinda wrote down movies we had watched around that time. Like yeah. I mean, we recently watched um a favorite of mine that almost be was my pick, which was uh Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. And I, I love that movie. Uh, yeah, it's still one of my favorite ones, too. I think I got the movie somewhere. I, yeah. yeah, it's still one of my favorite ones as well. Directed by Amy Heckerling and written by Cameron Crowe. Yeah. And, you know, based on Cameron Crowe, basically did, uh, what was that movie, Never Been Kissed? Oh, that, he did Never Been Kissed? Well, I no, didn't know he, he. In, in real life, oh. he actually poses a high schooler. Oh. So, like, in real life, Almost Famous, the William Miller character oh, is based you, on him. him. And got it was so you. funny because... He in real life was in high school traveling around with Zeppelin, yeah. who of course the band Stillwater is most even though Stillwater is a real band, the band in the movie is mostly based on Zeppelin. Yeah. And he was traveling around with Zeppelin and everything through high school, gets out of high school, and as a journalist, goes <laughs> back to high school yeah. and starts writing about things that okay. kids so were really doing. Both Never Been saying. Kissed and Almost Famous is about his life. Uh so Never Been Kissed wasn't, but Fast Times Rich My High is based on when he really infiltrated, just like she oh, did in Never Been Kissed. just like that, she did yeah, in Never Kissed. Okay, so the way you keep said it, because I mean, yeah, but my, she my, really my, was my a writer that infiltrated high school. She that's was, why I was like, yeah. oh, so that's based on and, him and too? And it's like, that was not directly based on him. But okay. I, maybe they did actually But maybe they still, bit. I'm yeah. pretty sure they did. Because yeah. I'm like, where else would they get that then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how common that was through maybe. the 70s into the 80s. Yeah, it might have been, just for like research. Yeah, just for like little, went back when we still wrote exposés before yeah. our high school kids could do it by themselves on Twitter. No, you're right. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, Fast Times is just one of those movies I absolutely love. It was the movie that gave us, you know, Sean Penn before current oh, Sean yeah. Penn. You yeah. know, like, um, <laughs> that was one of the funny things I remember us talking. You, you know, you were like, I wonder if he was really like that. And that, yeah, I had heard these stories that it was like it was the fact that he wasn't really like that, but that he showed up. To set like it's just that. he played it so well, he did. like almost like he had experiences being 
kind of like a weed head himself yeah. like and around like that surfer. time like yeah. a surfer dude yeah, yeah. And like so that's what i went i was like he plays this so well he does. he's so in the pocket that i just wonder if there's any experience with that i'm sure that there he did his research yeah i'm sure he really <laughs> hung out with those surfers i i really really get the sense with him that um he was just one of those kids where it was just natural. Yeah. It was natural for him to disappear into yeah. a character. It was yeah. natural for him to mm-hmm. just go and become somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really wild because I, I look at a lot of younger people today and there's, you know, it's nothing against anybody. You know, we're, we have a lot of really great young people that are out there, but like, I couldn't imagine Tom Holland doing what Sean Penn did. Yeah. You know, I but you never know. You, you never know, but it's like, I'm talking about like from the outset. Yeah. You know, and from the outset, like here's this kid that just kind of shows up and Daniel Day-Lewis is it. Yeah. And you're, because you know, I mean, he does this, he does bad boys. Those yeah. are very, very different yeah. things. Yeah, very opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, he was still a little bit of a troublemaker, but just in different ways. In way. a different way, totally yeah. different kind of character. Yeah. Didn't even resemble. Yeah. The the Fast Times character, no, not at all. Mr. Hand, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, and then of course Jennifer Jason Lee being in the movie, she's yeah. unbelievable. In yeah. it. it was just one of those casts that yeah, you look at, and you're like, wow, yeah. All of these people went on to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and they were phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. It was a really really special film. It was. Um, Wet Hot American Summer was another one that I wrote yeah. down. That yeah. It's, it's we didn't like, really watch that one either, though. We didn't we watch didn't. that one. You know, that's one of those but funny... I, I don't know. I don't think I've seen that more recently, though. But I didn't. haven't either. It was, you know, it, was, it came out in 2001. It's one of those movies that, like, I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. I Every time that I watch it, I like it. Yeah. But it's just not a movie that sits at the forefront oh, of my mind. Me either. It, Mine either. That's what's so funny. That's why when you did that, I was like, yeah, I... I, I like that one, but I it doesn't sit like yeah. right at the front of it. Well, what's really interesting to me is that the movie that was, I'm not going to say similar because they're on different, you know, different planes. But it was, I think because I saw them around the same time, I associate them. Because I had rented Wet Hot American Summer the first time that I saw okay. it. Okay. But then the movie that I saw right around the same time was super bad. Oh, okay. And so, and but okay. that was in the theater. Oh no, so, I know. But that I get what you're saying. That's still like so. Well, like okay. I kind of associate them with each other. I think yeah. just by nature of seeing them close together. Yeah. But when I think about those two movies, it's like super bad was kind of more. Oh yeah. My film that will always, which is funny because. Well, I guess I was going to say it's funny that we didn't kind of include that one a little bit. Now yeah. that you mentioned, I that. did write it down. Yeah, like, because yeah. we but we didn't really include that in like, but because they're about to graduate. Yeah, they high are. school. Yeah, so it was going into the summer. Technically. Yeah, it was because you're you're in their last few days. Yeah, just the last few days. Because remember, at the very end, summer has started. Yeah, it has. so that's why I was like, we could have like we could have done that. Yeah, one. we could have done that one. And it is a um, it is a fascinating movie because that is one of those movies where. I feel like, you know, it'd be really fun one day to do a Judd Apatow thing. Oh, yeah. Because we liked a lot of his movies like, a, growing up. A lot of the movies that he produced especially. Yeah. Movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, I, I mean, we're, I think, and I guess it's kind of a weird time to even bring this movie up considering all of his personal stuff, but like Get Him to the Greek is a yeah, movie that we Yeah, Get Him really to the love. Greek. And um, um, then he did I Love You, Man. 
I think he, he, he may have been a producer. Actually, I think that's one of the rare ones that he wasn't a producer on. Oh, for some I thought reason. he was a producer on that one. I think that's one of the rare ones that he actually wasn't. But I need to double check on that. Yeah, I'm going to check. Because I was like, it's so him that I just yeah, thought that would be something he would have done. I think that that was one of those movies that kind of came out right alongside Got that whole you. thing. That just wasn't really okay. actually part of it. Yeah. But, um... Either way, man, I love you, man. It's one of my favorite comedies. Oh man, it was of one of my favorite in my life. It's one of my like most favorite awkward films ever. Yeah. But it's so funny and just awkward and it weird. Is. Like I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love it. See you later, my mish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because yeah, you bring a wet hot American summer. Of course, Paul Rudd is in there, and then it's like you you can't help but to think about some of the movies that he was in that kind of surrounds yeah. some of these other films. Yeah, you're right. It no Yeah, he wasn't involved in It was all, directed right? by John Hamburg. Yeah. And, um the screenplay and the story was written by Larry Levin. Yeah. Who produced it? Produced it, uh it says John Hamburg and Donald D line. Okay, yeah. So it so, was no, so not at all. No, he yeah. wasn't, but it was something that I could see him doing. It definitely came out side by side with those other movies. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing I think is really interesting about watching Superbad is that it holds something that I think the best movies that he either produced or directed hold, mm-hmm. which is he had this theory like that I had heard Jason Siegel talk about before that any of the kids that were his freaks and geeks kids yeah. that he helped yeah. kind of continue their careers. Yeah. Whenever they said they wanted to write something, the advice that he always told them was he said, before you write it as a comedy, write it as a drama. Got you. And because you're going to be able to come up with the jokes. Yeah. If the dramatic thrust is there, yeah. the jokes will be inherent to the story. And then all you have to do is go back and pad it yeah. with more jokes. Yeah. But if the drama isn't there, then all you wrote was a series of jokes. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. The last time that we watched Superbad, which was like a few months ago or something, mm-hmm. I was sitting there watching. I was like, this is actually almost a Terry-esque yeah. drama if you take out all of the comedic set pieces. Oh, okay. If you take out all those comedic set pieces, it is a story about two best friends yeah. that get into a series of very awkward, very uncomfortable situations that could potentially split them apart. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really, really interesting story yeah. from that angle. I was like, huh, the movie has a lot of layers to it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Did you have any other honorable mentions that you would like to throw in no, there? Not that I can think of because I'm trying to think about like some of the things I've seen in the past. But I feel like if I do, yeah. then I might be running over into another show where maybe we're talking about something else. Okay. So I was like, no, I'm not going to say yeah. much else about other yeah. films. <laughs> yeah, uh, another one we watched was Sandlot. Yes, yeah, Sam. Uh, we yeah. can even we could talk about that as yes. well as an honorable mention. Um, yeah. I watched that recently because that's like one of my favorite like yeah. kid movies. Yeah. Like I can still go back there and I'm in it. Like I love Sandlot. That oh, and you know what else I seen too? And that was a summer um film as well. Was uh I saw and I haven't seen this forever. And I saw this on the plane recently uh-huh. when we were going to I think Miami. Uh, Little Giants. Oh, Do you yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Little yeah, Giants? Remember little yeah. <laughs> so that was a summer film too, yeah. because it was about the kids like playing like peewee football, but they yeah. weren't in school. Yeah, it was for the summer. Actually, it's funny because I think so. I think that was actually when we were just coming back from New York, wasn't it? That you watched that? No, I didn't watch okay. it. That's why I said it was when we coming back from Miami. From Miami, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we were just coming back from New York, 
the movie that I watched that also fits this I did not write down was National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and, definitely and one. And that is a weirdly... <laughs> you go back and watch that movie, and you're like, wow, that, that actually fits. Also, very strange plane watch, because they do not cut out the Beverly D'Angelo nudity. Okay. So you're sitting there watching well, it, and all of a sudden she shows up full <gasps> frontal. Oh. And I was just like, well, if there's any kids behind me, they're getting an education yes. right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. On the human body. I, I like was just a hundred percent positive I'm yeah. like it's on the airplane i know this is gonna be blurred it was not, not. at all oh, wow i was okay. quite surprised yeah i'm surprised to hear this <laughs> it, and it comes up with a little thing at the front end where it says uh uh this film has been um reformatted for syndication blah, blah, blah. Yeah. so I'm, I'm sitting there looking at it like oh yeah you cut stuff out yeah no it was literally just the picture was resized and they were just letting you know. And I was like, wow, okay, we're doing this. This is great. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I guess like a couple that I wrote down just kind of for fun that I would throw in there also specifically because of when this episode is coming out. Yeah. We're kind of hitting that season where everybody's wanting to watch their horror movies. Mm-hmm. We're, of course, going to do a horror episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it's uh, not our normal horror that we usually talk about. No, it's not. Like, ours is, so, I guess, like... We kind of um, went more classic this time. We, we saw did. a few, like, modern, but we went more yeah, classic this time. It, I I guess uh, we'll get into that more during that episode, but yeah. I could have not have... For once in October, Yeah, I have no interest in watching any horror movie. I'm so horror movied out right now yeah. because I spent most of the summer on Tubi <laughs> consuming every horror movie I've either never yeah. seen or was you know haven't seen in a long time so yeah i i was so horror movied out this october that it was like the last thing that i wanted to do <laughs> was watch scary movies yeah but, um uh two that i would throw in there though in case anybody's looking for something like that sleepaway camp it came mm-hmm. out in 1983 um have you ever seen that movie no you know i haven't seen that one. okay so uh this is like one of the craziest movies ever made. So if anybody has not seen that movie and doesn't want it spoiled, then just like go ahead and skip forward yeah. two minutes. Yeah. Um, Sleepaway Camp has like one of the wildest endings that I've ever seen. The movie starts with two kids that are on a lake mm-hmm. and then this boat comes riding through. These two teenagers are drunk and messing around on a boat. Mm-hmm. Boat comes riding through and it kills the dad mm. and one of the kids. Wow. We cut two years later, and we see that the kid that's, that lived was the daughter. Mm. Go to sleepaway camp. People start getting killed. They're trying to figure out who's killing everybody. It turns out it's the daughter. And then it turns out that the daughter is not the daughter at all. The daughter has been the son the entire time. Oh, no. Wow. And the mom <laughs> decided to raise the son as the daughter she wanted. Whoa. And that's the twist of the movie. Okay, it, that's it wild. Definitely, um, they took the idea of Psycho and decided to go in this totally oh. kind of separate direction with it that was completely insane. That is one of those movies that the first time that you ever see it, you're just kind of like... It okay. reminds me of Insidious. Do you remember it, Yeah, so Insidious definitely steals. Insidious yeah. Part 2 definitely steals yeah. a lot from Sleepaway yes. Camp. <laughs> and you're, the first time you ever see Sleepaway Camp, it's one of those things where you're watching it, and it's almost like an intruder-esque in terms of its production budget, okay. and it's, you know, everything. It, it's sort of like you're kind of watching it, you're like, okay, it's a slasher movie, I'm kind of getting through it. And then you get to those last three minutes, and you're like, this is the craziest movie <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, and then the other one I'll throw in there, because it's on HBO Max right now, and it's supposed to be until November, is um, 
The original Friday the 13th, okay. of course, is a great yeah, of course. school's out kind of yes. horror movie where, okay. you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess Scream fits in there too, Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, and then Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. yeah. Had you had you had seen it before? No, or? I hadn't. I've seen parts of it. I've never okay. seen the entire So that was your first film. time from beginning yes, to end. Yes, that was my first time ever seeing it from beginning to end. So you, how did you feel about it? I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. It was like crazy. But you remember what I told you? You remember I was like, why do they call it Rebel Without a Cause? When yeah. it was very much a cause. Yeah. Like there was, there was things happening in there that was truly like... Yeah. I get it. Do you get what I'm saying? Because Absolutely. it was like rough. Like yeah, I was, was like, I get it. Like, what do you mean rebel without a cause? Yeah. Like, you remember I kept saying it. I was like, the title doesn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it was interesting because we watched that movie. You had just watched The Breakfast Club earlier that day. Yeah, I did. And then I read you Pauline Kale's review yeah. of The Breakfast Club. Don't get Club. me started on that one. And then Don't get me started. when we were watching Rebel <laughs> Without a Cause, Rebel Without a Cause is a movie that totally points to her exact criticism of that movie. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, no, that's one of those movies. I hadn't seen that in a really, really yeah. long time. And I've never seen it all the way through. I used to see bits and pieces whenever it came on. And then like, for some reason, I would either catch it at the end or the middle yeah. or the beginning. Or I'd like see someone and then next thing you know, I was called to do something. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would get up and I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. So I would turn off the TV. So I was like, I've never seen that all the way through. Yeah. I think we have two more James Dean movies to watch together, right? Oh, which so which two? have you seen East of Eden? Uh, yes, I think I do, but it's I can't remember. Yes, that's okay. why I was like, that one's been a long time. So that might be a good one to rewatch, especially for our uh, classics episode that we have on the horizon. Got you. Uh, and then Giant with him no, and Liz Taylor and Rock Hudson. Oh yeah, nope, never seen that one. Okay, so this is the fun part about watching Giant. Giant okay. is like a three-hour epic. It very much. Um, you know, was sold as like a Gone with the Wind-esque, mm -hmm. like in the sense of its scale. Yeah. Like this is a big road show with an intermission. It's yeah. three hours. It's a love story that goes on and on. The fun part about watching Giant is they shot it on the exact same land where they shot There Will Be Blood. Oh. And right next door is where they shot No Country for Old Men at the oh, same time. Okay. So it, there's kind of this fun thing of watching this oil movie with, you know, James Dean and Rock Hudson, Liz Taylor, and then realizing that years later, that's where a favorite movie of ours was yeah. going to be made. Okay, you know? that's and cool. That's it, cool. It's a really, really interesting movie. It is a movie that has not aged well, not because of any kind of, yeah. you know, like weird, like, you know, political anything. Yeah. It's a movie that hasn't aged well, in my opinion, just because of the, the pacing in the story. Oh, the pacing. I, I don't think that the story is very interesting in hindsight. I think yeah. it's kind of middling and kind of all over the place. Oh, but wow. I would still love to watch it with somebody who's never seen it and get the perspective through their eyes. Because okay. maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, years ago I saw it and then rewatching it one day, I was just like, this isn't very good. Okay. But but that might just be me, you know, from yeah. all these years later. Okay, that's that's interesting. Okay. Um. So I guess getting into our main movies. Yes. I'm sure we'll think of others along the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're starting out with Kings of Summer. Yes, we are. Kings of Summer. This movie was uh, released in 2013. Mm -hmm. It was directed by Jordan. I believe his, la his last name is pronounced Vote Roberts. Yeah. Uh, and written by Chris Galletta. It stars Nick Robinson, Gabriel Basso, of course, the great Moises Aris. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Aaron Moriarty, uh, Mark Evan Jake uh, Jackson, Megan Mullally, Allison Breen, Nick Offerman. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the great Mary Lynn Ricecub. Yeah. Uh, who plays one of the cops. <laughs> this is an interesting movie because this is actually the movie that I was... Um, and also the music is by Ryan Miller, who I think you kind of yeah. like. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. I think you were pointing out some of the songs yeah. as it yes. was going. I didn't realize that he actually composed the soundtrack for this. Well, year. no, those are you thinking of somebody else, but it's okay. Oh, okay. Who was yeah. I, who was the other person that was playing through uh, there you were, that you, uh, you really like? There was somebody who was playing in there that I remember you called out. That you really I liked. did, but now, and now I'm, I'm about liking, to say, because yeah. I don't remember the name of the songs. I can like, of yeah. course, I have a terrible singing voice, so I can <laughs> sing it, but I don't remember. We'll I have to look at the soundtrack. Yeah. And, and, and find, because there's somebody specific that you called out who was actually doing very good stuff. Yeah. Um. This is an interesting movie because this is the only one on the list that I personally feel did not have the same level of personal connection that the rest of these films did. Oh. Oh, for for you. For the director. So we have so we have this thing that we were talking about about, you know, a lot of these are kind of reflections of a director. Yeah. It's very interesting to me that um John Vogt Roberts is a director who he came out with Kings of Summer and then he did Kong Skull Island and now he's doing the Metal Gear Solid movie. Got you. Okay. And there is this aspect of there were a group of filmmakers that kind of came out all around the same time mm-hmm. that did kind of small independent movies and those became calling cards for their big budget yeah. entrance into cinema. Yeah. And I do kind of feel like Kings of Summer fits into that category alongside stuff like Colin Trevorrow doing safety not guaranteed or the stuff that um chloe Zhao was doing before she ended up doing nomad land and eventually the eternals and uh i think even barry jenkins to a slight degree fits into that category having done he did a movie called medicine for melancholy that not a lot of people saw and then he did of course moonlight yeah and if beale street could talk which were technically movies that were intertwined with one another he wrote them together okay and then of course is now doing the Lion King part two yeah. and these other big, you know, so there's kind of a group of filmmakers that all kind of came out side by side mm-hmm. that all did these little bitty kind of calling card movies that yeah. ended up getting a big netted into big stuff. That being said of all those movies that did that. And when you go back and watch this movie, there is an element of it where it feels very montage. Oh, really? very much kind of like, He's well, yeah, showing you're you, kind of right. He's kind of showing you every single thing that he can do yeah. in this one movie. There are yeah. elements of it where almost kind of traipses into horror for a split second, yeah. all for comedic reasons. Yeah. There are elements of it where it definitely is just kind of like a languid romance or elements of it where it is a teen movie. It, it's kind of bouncing all over the place in this sense where it's kind of like more like watching a reel yeah. than watching... An actual, like, full... Like, a, a film that this guy was like, I have to tell this story. I'm burning to tell the story about my childhood. Got you. That being said, of all of those movies that came out around this time that kind of have that feeling, in my opinion, this was the best one. Okay. This was the one that okay. is like, if you've seen this movie, you've seen something really special, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Did we watch this one together for the first time? Yeah. Yes. Or did you see it? At first I was trying to think about it, but I think we did. Okay. But I think like I knew about it before you, because you remember, yeah. I think I saw like a trailer or something yeah. and then I was like, oh, Scott, I want to see that. And I think we saw it for the first time together. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think we did actually, <laughs> because I just remember seeing it, but you didn't really know much about it. And I was no. like, no, we got to see this movie called Kings of Summer. This was one that I remember coming into completely blind. Yeah. And then between just the insane humor. Yeah. In the movie, because some of the humor in this movie is truly just out there. Yeah. And I love it, especially the Nick Offerman stuff. Yeah. But like between that and then of course the great um, dancing sequence. Oh yeah, that was awesome. It, it, that, is that was awesome. And of course, you can't forget about Megan Maloney. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things she said in there was just like, whoa. <laughs> the moment of saying that the the uh, uh, that the Irish are the blacks of Europe. Yep. She said that those... and I was like, whoa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you had like uh Allison Bree bringing her boyfriend over. Oh yeah, and he loved singing like show tunes and kind of he like was in an acapella group. yeah, he was an acapella group. <laughs> uh, and then like just uh, Nick Offerman's general hatred for all things. Yeah, he he, it, he didn't like anything. No, and he especially <laughs> hated that guy that yeah. she brought home. <laughs> oh goodness! And he was always trying to like pull Nick Offerman in and kind of like dad dad and yeah. he was just like oh, he just yeah. did not he was not having it no he's just not one of those guys he was just no. like what is wrong with you yeah that was that was very very odd yeah um but this is like one of those movies that like every single time I see this one this one does have like a heavy dose of like good nostalgia to it oh yeah it really does I mean because even when you think about like your kind of like childhood like situations that you got yourself in. This is kind of more of like that for me. Yeah. Like there was times like where, you know, I got like mad at my mom and I thought it was yeah. going to like run away. Yeah. 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 And I, like, I was convinced, like I yeah. was convinced I I've, I've done that too. And I, I was convinced I was like, no, I'm running away. I'm never yeah. coming back. And then I, I stayed gone for like what, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. turned around and came home. So it was like, I understood it completely because of that. Like, when there's like this like just great big tension because right now you're in that stage of your yeah. life where you're just kind of like, I don't want to like let me do me or yeah. no, you think you, what you're telling me is right or you're yeah. trying to change me or you're trying to do something and I and I don't like it. I'm fighting yeah. against you right now. Yeah. And so some of those things because I was not like I will honestly say I'm not trying to like be funny or anything, but I was not a bad kid. Like I yeah. wasn't a bad kid. Yeah. But like those were the moments where. Sometimes people were just putting their own ideas onto you and you were just like, no, I'm not having it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when you kind of was like, I'm running away because yeah. this is not going to work. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I was never like that person where I was like bad, but yeah. those things happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. and that was the thing that I thought was really interesting that I think the movie captured very well is that it is very, very easy to relate to both sides of the two main characters. Yeah. The, uh, the two boys that actually initially run away. The the Moises Ares character, you're not really quite sure he's why he's there or how he ended up there. It yeah. seems like his home life is normal considering his character. I mean, if you really think about <laughs> how he spoke to his dad at the end, yeah. he actually had the most loving household. He That's did. what was so funny was among the, all of them. Yeah. Because the, the other parent... Bellagio. Yeah, Bellagio. <laughs> Bellagio had the most understanding. Biagio. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Biagio. Biagio. Yeah. We're talking about like we're the in like, another hotel. <laughs> yeah. Biagio. That's his name. But it was funny because Megan Maloney's character yeah. and like her husband in the film... And one of the kids, like, 
Like that was like overbearing. They're so overbearing that he starts getting a rash. Yeah, that he's getting like he's Stress breaking. Yeah, yeah, like he's breaking out in hives. So he's just allergic to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say yeah. he's allergic to them. Yeah. And then um, Nick Offerman was kind of more of the really hardcore tough love. Yeah. So that kind of pushed his son to run away a lot. To me, Biagio was the only one that really had this yeah. really balanced yeah. household. So that was so funny. He just kind of was like. Hmm, just wondering. Yeah. He really was just a wanderer. He yeah. was like a modern day nomad, dude. Because yeah. like I was like, you but you had no reason to run from away. Like he yeah. literally had no reason to run away from home. Yeah. He just he, did it. Yeah, he just did it. He just, just did, did it. Almost like just have friends. Yeah, yeah was, he just it, did it. Yeah. And I don't even think he cares about friends in that sense. Yeah. He, he it, it was like wherever I roam, that's where yeah. I land. Like that's what I'm saying. He was literally a modern day nomad. Yeah. It's like wherever I go, that's where I land. It was, it's to me. It was <laughs> unbelievable. He had some of like the funniest lines too in that yeah. whole entire thing. Like, yeah. What was it where he was like, uh, I'm gay. My, every time the weather changes, my lungs fill up with, with fluid. fluid. He's like, that's not being gay, Biagio. That's cystic fibrosis. And that's a serious issue. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, but then I'm... This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is so strange. It was so strange. And at the end where he shows up, he's trying to speak parcel tongue to the yep. snake before it bites him. Yeah. That was funny. He thought yeah. he was Harry Potter. Yeah. And then it was funny because... <laughs> You remember at one moment he tried to blend into onto the tree trunk. Yeah, he just is grabbing it. Yeah. And it's so obvious. Yes, and the char- character I always forget some of the characters' names, but yeah. I think his uh, it was uh, what's his name? Gabriel Basso. It was his character, yeah, uh, Patrick. Pa- Patrick. Patrick That's what his name. Yeah. It was Patrick. Was yeah. yeah, Patrick. He was like, I can still see you, Biagio. Yeah, and Biagio was like. Just still hang on to tree silent. He's like, but I can see you. You're yeah. not blending in very well. Yeah. So it was just so funny. Yeah. It was so silly. Those those things were funny though. I enjoyed that because yeah. it did bring me back to yeah. like those silly moments in my childhood. Because I remember I there was points where, you know, you're kind of exploring in the woods and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, that was the part that I could relate to the most. Yeah. Because I spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. As a kid that was I mean, you've seen where I grew up and kind of yeah. where some of my friends grew up. Like, as a kid, that was what you kind of had to do in general. Like, yeah. you, you just, like, and it didn't matter what period of life it was. It mm-hmm. was, like, as a little kid, you went out exploring the woods because what else do you have to do? As a teenager in high school, you went out exploring the woods because that's where you got to disappear so you could, like, try smoking weed yeah. or, like... <laughs> have your first cigarette yeah you know it's like so yeah there was just that element of like that kind of always being the especially growing up in like the southeastern yeah. united states and i always wanted one of my dreams that i never was able to fulfill like growing up was i always wanted a treehouse i always yeah. wanted to build my own treehouse yeah. and kind of like live in it for a little bit and yeah. i never got to do that i i never got the treehouse <laughs> i had a friend that did have one wow and okay i think all of us took turns falling off. Really? And I was the only one that fell off and didn't break anything. Okay, that's crazy. Out of all of us, I was the only one that did not experience the I broke something yeah. when I fell off. And I think that was because I fell off while I was climbing. Yes. See, I'm the only one that didn't fall off from the actual oh, house. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That, that, <laughs> I think I've never even been in a treehouse. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, those are one of the things where I was like, yeah. oh, I wish I could do that. that I've was, never been even inside a treehouse. That was the only one I'd ever been in. And it was 
not fun or nice at all. Yeah. It's very disgusting in retrospect. <laughs> but when you're a really little kid, you don't think about no, that. No, you don't at all. But in retrospect, I was like, it was molding. Yeah. And it was disgusting. Oh, goodness. And I remember that we used to have to kill a lot of ants. Yeah. And we're constantly, like, there was always at least one situation of a flying cockroach. Oh, wow. That would jump <laughs> on somebody or in one case got in one of my friend's ears. Yeah. So, like, oh, wow. yeah, like, no, there was, that was, like, one of those things that was so fun. But then in retrospect, you're like, that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I that the, I think the thing that I like the most about Kings of Summer is the fact that it is the best scenario of somebody sitting down to write a script and saying, "What is like the ultimate fantasy as a kid?" Yeah, and the ultimate fantasy is, of course, when you're like thirteen, fourteen years old, yeah. fifteen, sixteen, even. Mm-hmm. And you cannot stand being in your parents' house anymore. Yeah. And your hormones are raging. Yeah. And you don't understand anything that's going on around you. Yeah. And you're like literally entering periods of clinical insanity. Yep. And all you want to do is run away. The greatest like fantasy is run away and you build your own house. Yep. And, and you, you can do and you can and do you whatever can live you want. Completely free and independent yep. of everybody else. Yep. That is like the greatest fantasy. And the entire idea of saying like Oh, yeah, that's a simple thing that everybody yeah. can relate to and sitting down and writing a very funny movie out of it. Yeah, was which awesome. is cool, though, because, you know, that's one of the things how you can also go, this is why that is so true, because it's so emotionally driven. Yeah. Because if it weren't, then yeah. the kid would have thought about, but when I run out of things or when things go yeah. wrong, I'm going to have to go back home. Yeah, there's no And Which is that. what they had to do at the end. Yeah. And, like, one of the things I love is the whole entire idea that, yeah, for most of the movie, you know, they're... Like smoking cigars that they stole mm-hmm. and like eating Boston public or uh, was it Boston Market? Yeah, and pretending that they went and found and killed chickens. Yeah, then he was like, "Oh, that's so cool." Pastor was like, "You found a chicken in the woods." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite bit was when he was just like, "It's not even the chickens I'm mad about. It's the fact that." Biagio's corn pudding isn't real. He's like, no, no, no. Like, that's real. I really I don't. honestly yeah. don't know where he's getting chives. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the best jokes in the whole movie. But Biagio may have been going, like, home and getting things. Uh, yeah, he may have. I There's... feel like he was just going home. Because you remember, if you really think about, even when you would see the kind of montage that they had, yeah. they weren't together 24-7. No, they were together most of the time. Yeah. But they weren't, for, they weren't together. Sometimes they all would separate. Yeah. Three of them would go off on their own little... Yeah little but, exploration yeah. so i'm like now when i think about it i was like to fill in the gaps i think like yeah. Yeah, i know it was like going home and making it and like bringing it back or something yeah I, I and he probably so. was like Papa, like i think he was talking to his dad like i'm going back out yeah. i feel like that's what was happening so, in too. his household and i i also like uh things worth calling out because they i thought this was one thing that when we rewatched it this time i thought they did a very good job of of um Capturing the kind of like idealized high school girl yeah. in Erin Moriarty. Yeah. I thought she did a very, very good job yeah. of being like that. And what I mean by that is not, it's nothing with her looks. It's the idea that she works kind of an upscale job that she doesn't really like. Yeah. She's a really cool girl. Yeah. She somehow likes everything that all the boys like. Yeah. She somehow is like great at hanging out in the woods. Yeah. And like, Everything. And she, oh, I mean, this is something that, yeah. like, all the guys, I think, can be very intimidating for guys in yeah. high school, is that she dated an older guy. She dated an older guy. Who was, like, in college, so... And then she knows how to drink. You see yeah, her at the very beginning, yep, she loves you yep, know, to she party. knows how to... And so, also, she seems very, like, 
untangible. Like yeah. she seems yeah. very like yeah, she's like she's out of my league kind of yeah. like yeah girl at the same time. So like she definitely yep. has that perfect like yeah. picture. She, she definitely uh, she played that role very very well of like the girl that. Like you said, you said it perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's completely out of your league until you get to know her. Yeah. And, and even then, sometimes even really cool girls mm-hmm. are still, a lot of guys I think still see as out of their league. Yeah. Because she is so cool. Yeah, exactly. And she was really cool and just laid back really. But like, I feel like her, ha- like you saying, can drink and have no yeah. older boyfriend. That makes a guy feels like a girl's out of league no matter yeah. if she's a sn- snotty yeah. person or not. I yeah. think that makes a guy can feel like, like no, yeah. I can't hang with that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought she did really good. And I, I wanted to call her out because this time through watching it, I realized it was like, um, more so with this one than the next one we're going to talk about. I felt like her character was extremely underwritten it was but she herself brought something to it that was definitely not on the page yeah that i really enjoyed yeah. it was just the way that she approached different things the way that she just conducted herself the way that she even the way she dressed mm-hmm. everything about the way that she brought some kind of life to that character i was like that was a character that was somebody who didn't quite get what they could do with it would have just been like a carbon copy yeah. of like, you know, your standard idealized high school girl in a boys movie. Yeah. And I thought she brought something completely different to it that I really enjoyed. And I yeah. was like, that was actually really cool. That yeah. something that I don't think got enough attention. Yeah. Like when the movie came out. Oh yeah. And then I think, um, she didn't have a, 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 like she didn't say a lot, but Lily she, Reinhardt was in there too. Yeah, she was. I from about like that. Riverdale. Yeah. I remember she was in there. She was the friend that ended up liking Biagio, remember? Yeah, she was. She had this secret thing for Biagio. I was <laughs> she, like, that is funny. She was like kind of one of the best like yeah, hidden gems Jim. of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was the, whatever was going on between her and Biagio, Biagio. Especially at the end after he's gotten bit by the snake. Yeah, she runs into and his room. she runs room. into his room. I was like, what? It was so funny. Okay, that was. What was it when he was like a Joe if I could do it all over again I would <laughs> Joe you remember a few minutes ago <laughs> I said it, yeah Biagio you just said that I wouldn't do it do over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just fantastic it was it was really good it was really good so are you, you want to go on to the next one yeah let's, let's do it so our next one is a movie that from this point on, I feel like it fits very, very well into the idea of this is a movie that was made by, in this case, two people, yeah, but made by filmmakers who were very interested in tapping into a point in their life and making a very personal statement. Okay. And so our next movie is another movie that also came out in 2013. Weirdly great year for yeah, this kind of film. Okay. Uh, which is The Way, Way Back. Okay. Yes. Written and directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, who are both in the movie also. Yes. Uh, both of them have great parts, especially we we often will quote Jim Rash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, saying that he would be a storm chaser. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a storm. I'm after it. Got, Got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was always supposed to be leaving. Always leaving. But he he never went anywhere. He would always end up staying. So Had it was funny. more ailments than anybody I've yeah. ever heard of in my life. Like yeah. when he was just like, he, I, the doctor said I'm not allowed to get water on my face. Various <laughs> other things. But the movie um, uh, stars Liam James as Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Carell, who we're going to be talking a lot about, mm-hmm. as Trent. Yep. Uh, Tony Collette. Uh, as his, as Liam James's mom, yeah. Sam Rockwell, Allison Janney, Anna Sophia Robb, 
Uh, Maya Rudolph shows up in a, a wonderful part where mm-hmm. she's kind of uh, Sam Rockwell's love interest. Uh, Rob Cordery, always surprised whenever yeah. I see that him and Amanda Peet yeah. are in this movie together. Yeah. And I'm every time I see Amanda Peet show up, I'm just like, what? yeah, what happened to Amanda yeah. Peet? Because when I was growing up, she was in like everything. Yes, yeah, she was. She was. <laughs> I can't even lie, but yeah, you're right. And then, of course, uh, Jim Rat, Jim Rash, and Nat Faxon, and um, so yeah, th- this was like this was kind of of the two. I think the one that I had kind of been yeah. like, I really want to see this one again. Yeah, I think this was another one we saw for the first time together. We right? did. Yeah, we did. We saw it for the first time together. This was a movie that I remember that I really wanted to see because I had heard that. Sam Rockwell's performance was really great in it. Mm-hmm. I think we rented it. Yeah, and I think actually this was one of the times where we went into. Um, was was this one that we grabbed out of uh, movie stop? Yeah, we movie away? stop before it went away. I think we were just in there looking for some movies. Like, oh, let's try this one. And you yeah. were like, oh yeah, I heard about this one. It might be good. And I was like, okay, and we bought it. Like, well. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm not, I don't know if that's so true. I, I can't. I think I had it before because that's my movie. Yeah, yeah. That's why so, I was like, okay, that's not completely true. That's why I'm So uh, this is the only thing I don't remember about how we saw this movie for the first time is that I remember the first time that I heard about this movie that I thought it was a way different movie than what it ended up being. Oh. Now, I like the movie that I saw way more, mm-hmm. but the way that this movie was originally presented to me was that it was about Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. befriending a kid who's being abused by his father, played by Steve Carell. Oh. So I was thinking that it was something a little bit oh. closer to like a Bronx Tale or okay. This Boy's Life or something like that. This was kind of more of a serious yeah. or even like Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Kind of, you know, even though that's not a movie about abuse, of yeah, course. But like, <laughs> you know, like the, it was like that level of kind of like more of like a coming of age drama, drama. Yeah. than it was anything else so mm-hmm. i was thinking that it was kind of that which it kind of still was a little bit. a little bit but then we actually ended up seeing it and mm-hmm. it's actually a very beautiful story yeah but i just realized i had the way way back yeah before you ever even saw it so, i don't i yeah. think i saw it and i was like no we should watch this and you end up falling in love with it yeah but i actually had yeah, the movie first i, I can't remember how we saw it together for the first time and if one of us had already seen it yeah i had already seen it because okay. i realized i remember i was like no i already had that yeah <laughs> i just realized okay. that i was like no it was mine already <laughs> so like yeah first time that we watched this movie together i was just like madly in love with it I yeah was like, this movie is fantastic yeah uh, how did you end up seeing this one for the first time? Was it just like a trailer? In That's the what game? I was about to say. Yeah. yeah, I saw it from a trailer and then I saw it at movie stop. But this was when I was going by myself because yeah. sometimes I would go to movie stop by myself long yeah. before we were ever yeah. going together. And so I remember like going there sometimes yeah. and getting my own movies. And one day, yeah, I walked in and I saw it and I was like, oh, I saw the trailer to this. Okay. And I bought it and then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is great. Because I had already saw it like a few times before you ever saw yeah. it. Because I remember like talking it up to you. Yeah. So that's why I was like, yeah, that was, I saw that a few times before you ever saw it. This was like one of the most underrated movies that I've probably seen in the past like 15 Yeah, years. and it's really enjoyable. You know what? It, it it's is. really is one of those like family-oriented movies. You it can is. actually watch it with your like family and it's you still can. really good. Yeah, and it's a, um, it's a great coming-of-age movie. It has some of the best performances yeah. of probably any movie of 2013. Yeah. I don't remember what like won that year for 2013 or was nominated. Me either. But I will say this. It is infuriating that Steve Carell 
did not win for supporting actor <laughs> for this movie because this is one of his best performances. Yeah, far his away. man. I've I never want hated to choke him out. Yes, the whole movie. I've never hated a Stephen Carell like character so much in even, my life. I didn't even hate his Foxcatcher. Me either as, as much. Him, like John Dupont. Yeah. I didn't even hate him as much. In, Bad as I did in this. In this, and you're just like you're a butthole. Dude. Yeah, he really <laughs> is. I mean, in this movie, like we're introduced to Steve Carell, and the first moment of him saying, asking the main character Duncan, "Where do you see yourself on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> and the kid is like not having this, but finally just concedes to his potential stepfather yeah and says i don't know a six and he goes well i think you're a three Three. yes and that's how you're introduced to steve carell's character and i'm like only douchebag rape people that way i'm sorry i don't care what you're rating you're rating other people friendships personalities looks only douchebag rates like that i'm like i'm sorry i rating what like what are you doing yeah it was horrible. And how you can act, how can you ask like what was he 15 16 years old? Yeah, he's like 15. I'm yeah. like how can you ask a 15 year old how he rate himself? Yeah. Like that is so like disgusting and yep. demoralizing and everything and I was just like ill. So yeah. that could tell you what his character's mind frame was. Yep. So that's why I was like, oh, you know what I thought? I have to say it. You know me. I'm going to go there. I was like you little little man. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I could say. I was just like, you very little man. <laughs> you know, that, that was kind of one of my favorite things about the movie is that, you know, there's this moment at the end. So, like, in this story, it's like, you know, the, this kid, he goes to his potential stepfather's summer vacation yeah. home. His mom is, like, kind of catching a whiff of her youth again and falling yeah. in love for the first time again yeah. with uh, Steve Carell's character. As of course, Tony Collette mm-hmm. in her pre-hereditary yeah. period. Pre-hereditary. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, I feel like ever since then, she's getting like a lot more just kind of like heavy dramatic roles. Yeah, probably because that's what and she wanted to go for. I, like. th- I think so. And I think that also uh, she's probably enjoying getting like these really meaty kind of female characters right now after yeah. that movie. But, um, you know, essentially they, they go out to this summer vacation home and then... This kid winds up stumbling onto this water park that Sam Rockwell owns. And all of a sudden, he's working there for the summer, and he becomes Pop and Lock. Yeah, he's he's an introvert. He's That's one introverted. of the main yeah. points about this kid, is that he's an introvert. Yep. So he doesn't open up very easily. Not at all. And he's very, like, soft-spoken and don't really speak his mind. And, yep. he's, and he keeps having this kind of, like, thought throughout the whole movie was sister line was that if he could go live with his dad remember it was always about if he could go live with his dad so it's really unfortunate when you find at the end yeah that his dad never wanted him to come and live with him that's why he's with his mom and that's why he doesn't go visit his dad yeah so it was kind of like really unfortunate. And then Steve Carell's character, of course, like yeah. I said, little man, because I'm not talking about Steve Carell. I love yeah. him as an actor, oh, yeah. but I'm talking and about the character. Amazing. Yes. Like his character is such a little, little man. And you remember he brings it up and throws it in the kid face at the end. And I'm yeah. like, whoa. So I, that's actually a scene I was about to bring up. Is that, <laughs> you know, he, at the end, you know, the, the, Steve Carell just blurts out like your dad doesn't want you kid. Yeah. And the whole movie, you know, without them ever getting into like a long What's happening right now where the kid suddenly gets in some long diatribe about, like, I've always wanted a daddy. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to deal with any of that. It's all just kind of on the surface without really being spoken about too much. It's talked about the way that kids really talk about this stuff yeah. where it's like, 
him and Anna Sophia Robb at one point are both talking about their dads. Yeah. And it's just enough. You get it. Mm-hmm. And then also it makes you really, really get why he's so attached to Sam Rockwell's character. Yeah. Because here's this older male figure that's doing the total opposite of what Steve Carell's character is doing. Because yeah. Sam Rockwell is encouraging him he and is. bringing him into the fold. Yeah. Well... Stephen Carell character is just what's his name? Troy Trent. Trent, which is a <laughs> sorry that name can with the exception lead, of Reznor. Yeah, <laughs> it can awfully lead to very like that name is a stereotype, yeah, right? It, it can is. be a stereotype, yeah. but Trent he he's like instead of bringing the kid under his wing, he suddenly says things and do things to push him away, yeah. and that's what's really sucky about that. Yeah, one. it is, and like that was that's the thing that I. I really love when you say he's a small man is that he has this moment where he brings that up to Duncan. Mm -hmm. He says, your dad doesn't want you. And then that's kind of like paid off with this moment later where Steve Crow reaches out to grab Duncan and Sam Rockwell steps right in front of him right before he can grab him. Yep. And like, there's no moment of a, like, there's not a fight that's about to break out or anything like that. It's that thing that's just right there on the cusp where it's just like, you need to step back and the way they did that was so graceful like the way that like yeah. they, they just did that as actors well because i think so that was a amazing. true uh that was a true kind of visual expression of like yeah. boy versus man in my opinion yeah. because once sam rockwell does that you see trent become yeah like the little boy he, now he shrivels up yeah, yeah and he walks away what else can you yeah. do so that's why i was like Yes. Yeah. That was, it was so <laughs> nice. It was, it was, it was so, it's like this sweet taste. It, it was like, <laughs> it makes you want to stand up and cheer. Yeah, it and does. That's, that's like the best thing about this movie to me is there are a lot of moments in this movie where you really do just kind of want to start cheering. Yeah. It's a movie I would love to catch in the theater one day. I would love for like a revival house to oh, put this one up awesome. and yeah. just go and catch it like on a good summer day where you can go and grab gelato down the street. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, watch this. You know, that's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, just go and watch this movie and just kind of enjoy it for like an afternoon. Like, this is one that I would love to see with a crowd because I feel like this is a great movie to just stand up and just cheer to. Just be like, wow. Because there's so many good moments in there. Mm -hmm. The, the, all of the beats with Alice and Janie's son. Oh, yeah. He is hilarious. He is hilarious. Like, talk about whoever that kid is, mm-hmm. they found a true character. Yeah. Because that kid is unbelievable yeah. in this movie. He was larger than life. He was. He was larger than life. Remember, because he didn't let his, like, cock eye. Yeah, he, he had one eye that just kind of goes yeah, a different direction. Yeah, it kind of moves around on its own. And he, he did not let that deter him nope. at all. Nope. It actually made him... Yeah, Even more of an extra. But yeah, and yeah. and I was like that. But but you like to see things like that because how I saw it was this is a kid that is not defined by that eye, man. Yeah. And he's not gonna tell you that that's who he is. Is that eye? He's yeah. gonna tell you no. I know you see this. Yeah. But this is who I am, and he makes that very clear. He does, and you see where he gets all that charisma from when you see his mom. Yeah, when you because see Allison Janney. Yes. Shows up in this and she gives like the most yeah, Alice awesome. and Janie performance. She is ever, so awesome. <laughs> where she is about ten times over the top. Yes. And it's just kinda of like the moment that you meet her, she runs outside and she goes, you know, I was on the wagon and I'm back off. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and that's like how and she's so excited about it. Yeah. She's so excited that she's quit her sobriety. Yeah. And is drunk in the middle of the afternoon. Yes. 
And then she turns around and looks at her son, and she's like, wear your eye patch. You make people uncomfortable. And he's basically just like, shut up, Mom. Yeah. But, like, in the, in the most loving way possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're always... It, it seems like they do have that really cool relationship where they're always bickering back and forth, they but are, there's no but hard there's feelings. there's so much love in it. Yeah, there's yeah. no hard feelings. Yeah. So, it, it's... I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, that was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is one of those movies that, like, I just absolutely yeah. love. I can watch this and I, over and over like, again. I would love to show that to, like, younger audiences. Because it's yeah. one of the ones where I tell you that no matter what obstacle or what stands in your way, man, this is this is how you deal absolutely. with it. Absolutely. Right? And, it, and it's also, like, I think one of the things that we can kind of forget sometimes is, like, this is a this is an extremely well-made movie without ever being showy. Yeah. I think sometimes it's very easy when you're talking to a younger audience to show the movies like the next two movies we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. The next two movies we're about to talk about mm-hmm. are extremely showy. Yeah. They are made by, you know, what we would consider to mm-hmm. be like our like top tier auteurs, right? Yeah. Like they are two movies that are a lot of style. Yeah. And a lot of substance. Yeah. And sometimes you can kind of forget when you're thinking about movies like that, that the best way sometimes to make a movie is to make sure you have a really good frame Mm -hmm. that has good depth of field. Yeah. Not like what we're doing right now where there's all shallow depth of field. I cannot stand that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's happening right now. I have not seen um, all of Bottoms, Mm -hmm. but I have watched little chunks of it and I am floored by how flat that movie looks okay and tell us what bottoms is bottoms is that new one that just came out it's directed by the same uh woman who made shiva baby okay and it is a movie about um young women that are gay and want to start their own club in high school oh that is like basically an lgbtq club Mm -hmm. and they cannot get anybody to get behind them on it so instead they start a fight club because for some reason the school goes oh no that's fine and so then they start this fight club that is really masquerading as like a club for gay girls, but then it really becomes a fight club. Oh, wow. And it's a movie that I, I know a lot of people love, so I was interested in checking some of it out just to see what all the hype was about. Yeah. And I haven't been... I'll find it on streaming once it's out on streaming. I didn't get to see it in the theater, but I've seen clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. And the clips of it that I've seen, I was like... Yeah, the performances are good, and it seems like it's a well enough written movie. Yeah, it is so flat looking though, because mm-hmm. it seems like everybody now really loves that shallow depth of field. And I watch, you know, the way way back, and I'm like, that's what I really love about this movie. It is a well composed movie. Mm-hmm. There is a solid frame with it. You can see everything that's going on. Your characters have great interactions. It is everything that, like, a great, enjoyable movie needs to be. Yeah. It doesn't really matter that there's, you know, not, like, this overarching style or Mm -hmm. anything like that. None of that stuff matters. This is just a really, really, really well-made, well-told film. It is. And sometimes I think we kind of can forget to show those movies to a younger audience. Yeah. Because we're so excited about showing them, like, oh, no. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, look at the... The most extravagant ones. Yeah. And that is a perfect segue, <laughs> bringing up most extravagant. Yes. <laughs> that is a perfect segue into our next film. Yes. <laughs> which is, this was my pick of the two kind of centerpiece films. Okay. Uh, American Graffiti. Yes, American Graffiti. Released in 1973, directed by George Lucas, uh, written by George Lucas, Gloria Katz, and William Hayek. 
and uh, produced by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Edited very interestingly by Verna Fields and Marsha Lucas. Verna Fields would, of course, also edit um, Jaws, which yeah. we had talked about recently. So yeah. I thought that was kind of a fun thing to bring up. <laughs> um, this is one of those movies that I just absolutely adore. That The next movie we're going to talk about owes a lot too. Yeah. I guess we should also bring up the stars Richard Dreyfuss, Ron Howard, um, pretty much everybody under the sun. Uh, mm-hmm. Paula Matt, Charles Martin Smith, uh, Candy Clark, Mackenzie Phillips, Cindy Williams, Wolfman Jack makes an appearance in there. <laughs> Harrison Ford is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Hopkins shows up in a wild role as like this kind of um, uh, crazy kind of uh, a teen youth that winds up taking Richard Dreyfuss hostage for a period yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Um, Kathy and Quinlan shows up at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of those movies that kind of a lot of people that ended up becoming big people. I mean, even Susan Summers was yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Like a lot of people that ended up becoming really, really big actors showed up in this movie that George yeah. Lucas did. This is a fascinating movie because, like, this movie... I guess, like, to start, like, when was the first time you saw this one? Oof. I probably was, like, preteen. Yeah. I probably was 11 or 12 on, like, TBS or something yeah. like that. So that was, like, the very first time I've ever seen it. Did you already know who George Lucas was? No, not had, at all. Had you already seen Star Wars? Yeah, I had already you? seen Star Wars, which is funny because, like, my uncles, yeah. they each have their own collection of them. Of, yeah. I've never owned them, but yeah. I had uncles that had... All the Star Wars. Yeah, all the Star Wars trilogy. So, yes, I knew about Star Wars, but of course, at 11 to 12, that was not, like, crossed my mind that that was the same director. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it it didn't cross my mind at all. (laughs) I think it's very interesting that, like, George Lucas in particular is one of these weird people that I think really in particular for young boys. Yeah. You very, very quickly learn he was the director. It's basically he was the author. And then you just understand that he was the author of all of those original Star Wars movies. Even though you get a little bit older and then you really start paying attention, you realize that he didn't direct any of the other Star Wars movies until the prequels. Yeah. But then there's also this other element of you understanding that he also wrote Indiana Jones. (laughs) That he also Mm -hmm. did this movie called THX 1138, Mm -hmm. which is referenced in this movie very humorously. Yeah. There's a license plate that says THX 1138. (laughs) And then you kind of know about this other movie, too, that maybe you've heard your parents talk about, but you've definitely seen reference in every single book about Star Wars. Yeah. Which was American Graffiti. Yeah. And it's really, really fascinating to me, because if you watch this movie and then go watch Star Wars, you can kind of get a sense of how personal the story of Star Wars was. Yeah. That, you know, that whole entire movie is based around, you know, Star Wars is all based around Luke is sitting there complaining because he can't go to the Tashi station to get his power converters because he <laughs> wants to race yes. his little pods. Yeah. And you're, you go back and watch American Graffiti and you realize there's this obsession yeah. that Lucas has with cars and racing mm-hmm. and driving mm-hmm. that was kind of always there. Yeah. And that is like one of those really, and you know, I mean, part of the story about him, of course, is that he got into a really bad car wreck the one I'm kind of pushing him away from wanting to race cars and into filmmaking. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. How did you feel about this one going back to it? it like was, this time around? It was good. It yeah. was good. And uh, to be honest, I, I 
course, I understood it a lot more yeah. now than I did then when I was watching it when I was younger, of yeah. course. So I think that was a totally different thing. And then I've been on this kick lately yeah. where I've been liking a lot of like, kind of like of the older genre films. Yeah, I've been really enjoying this. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of like kind of classic yeah. kind of genre movies. Even and... some like film noir in there. And yeah. A little bit of like, it's speckled in here and there. Yeah. So I've, I've been like really enjoying that uh kind of back to you know <laughs> yeah back to basics yeah, yeah back, back to, the to yeah the classics and stuff like that that's really like shaped yeah what movies I guess were at first but yeah. now they're coming into something totally different this is a whole new game now that I'm starting to see things that I don't really kind of care for but yeah. That, I think that's actually what made me kind of go back yeah. to watch the want to watch the classes because I see what where, where we're going now and I'm like I don't like a lot of movies of where we're going now. Yeah, it there are still some good ones. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. So because I don't think that the good ones will ever entirely like go away. No. But they're very far in between, and that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that it you know. It's always important to remember that if you were alive back at that time, you would have seen a lot of terrible movies getting released. Mm -hmm. But that being said, it didn't really feel like you were like grasping at straws yeah. to get one good movie. It and feels what, like and then not only that, right but now. think about it. At that time too, they weren't there wasn't a bunch of movies centered on like this one thing, which were yeah. like comic book heroes and yeah. there wasn't like just one Absolutely. genre things that they were focused on and then i think one of the other things too that has really made it difficult right now is that you end up finding really good movies that got released that you had no idea came out because there were so many different platforms yeah where things are coming out now yeah there was this period where it had to hit a certain mark yeah. and a certain level of quality because it had to be in the theater yeah and it had to sell to an audience. And it had to last in there for a long and time. And it had to last for a while. Yeah. The American Graffiti played for like two years. Yeah. I remember when you told it, me that. Like I was midnight like, wow. tickets and everything. It was like, I mean, you know, I even, I went and brought the movie up to my dad. He was like, yeah, I saw that at this theater. Yeah. My first time I saw it. Yeah. We saw a movie a few times. Yeah. It was kind of one of those movies. It's like, you know, it, you know, especially when you think about the time period in which it was released. One of those movies you went to the theater and everybody was smoking a joint in the theater, and, <laughs> you know, watching that movie, and maybe it was on a double bill with like, you know, I don't know, like two thousand one or something. Like, it was in revival houses like almost immediately. It was mm -hmm. in grind houses almost immediately. It was mm -hmm. one of those movies that just quickly became a mainstay. Yeah, made for seven hundred seventy thousand dollars, I think. Yeah, like no money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make this movie, and it wound up grossing a lot. Like, grossing a lot more than that. What was oh, it? It was uh, 770000 gross 140 million, million. which is really good. It's insane for that time. Wow. That and, was really good. And you kind of see why when you watch this movie. I mean, this is like, this is a really, really fun movie. Yeah. It was also funny, too, rewatching it, seeing how much, because we had just watched Licorice Pizza mm -hmm. for one of our earlier episodes that we did. Yeah. It was funny rewatching this movie, seeing how much of Licorice Pizza is stolen, yeah, to, yeah. like from like copy pasted <laughs> out of uh, uh, American Graffiti, yeah, all the way down to like the credits. Even the credits were very Similar. similarly done, yeah. But um, it kind of makes sense too because I mean, the, these are two movies that are talking about their filmmaker talking about a period that mm -hmm. they really, really, really understood mm -hmm. that is 
very much there is that um it's not even a possibility anymore it just has it's a period that no longer exists it is yeah it is now like distant history yeah and this was an amazing thing when you think about it because one of the things i love about this movie of course the movie it was originally going to be an experimental film in which none of the characters were going to talk it was just going to be the music going in one sequence after another to the music Mm -hmm. Then eventually Coppola was like, I think we got to sell this. So yeah. <laughs> you got to make these characters talk. talk. <laughs> but, you know, in doing that, what he decided to do was have Wolfman Jack yeah. playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think is phenomenal that is completely counter to what we were just talking about mm-hmm. was that at that time there was, you know, two or three radio stations. So all of the kids are tuned in to Wolfman Jack yeah. at the exact same time that night yeah. while they're all cruising. Yeah. So when you have Richard Dreyfuss standing out in the middle of the street at one point, the entire street sounds like Wolfman Jack. Yeah. That was crazy mm-hmm. to see that there is just that period of time yeah. where everybody's tuned in. His to the was same interesting thing. though. When you follow his story, it was his interesting. was my favorite. Yeah, his was very it was one of my favorites too because it, and I, I can't lie, I like the I forgot the guy name that was with Mackenzie Phillips in the car the whole time. Oh, in the yellow yeah, custom. Yeah, in the, the yeah, that yellow car kind of, you love. Yeah, I love I was like, Oh my gosh, I love that car, man. If you would have told me that it was up for auction, it was only a certain amount of money at that time and I would have took. I would have probably did everything I could to kind of own that car. Yeah. I really would have. That's why I was like, it's so weird when you said that by the end of the film, all those cars were up for auction and no one no like one no one bought them. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, I would have had a collection of cars then because I would have took everything I had to make sure I got at least. Paul Lamatt. Sorry, yeah, Paul. Paul Lamatt. Yeah. Okay, so he was one in the car with Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah, Milner. Yeah, I like their story, <laughs> and then I like Richard Dreyfuss' um, story. Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss' story was my favorite, especially the. So his whole story is that he's looking for this one girl. Everybody yeah. had these simple stories. Yeah, they did. You yeah, know, and that's what one of the things I loved is that. Paula Matt and uh, uh, Mackenzie Phillips are in this car together. See, but that was a cool, like their dynamic was like really cool. It that's what awesome. I, yeah, that's what I loved about their dynamic because and she was this like younger girl, but you remember the she's whole like time. 14. Yeah. She's like 14. And you remember she had her older sister at the beginning. He yeah. asked the older sister, like, would you like to get over here and ride with me? Yeah. And they basically dumped the little sister off yeah. on him all night. So it was <laughs> so funny. And I was sudden, like, what? Here's this 18-year-old guy yep. who's trying to get a girl to, you know, like, get loose and free with him for the night. Yeah. And he ends up babysitting. Yeah, and you remember what he told his girl. friends at the beginning? Remember? <laughs> I remember this so well because he tells his friends at the beginning. Yeah, he was like, he was like, oh, I ain't going to no high school dance, basically. Like, I'm over it. I'm done. We're, yeah. we're like, we're, we're in the big leagues now. Yeah. Like, we're done. And he ended up having a babysit of 14 or so. He actually took uh-huh. a few steps back he did so i would have been the one that i would rather went to the school dance because at least uh-huh. the girls they were my age and not only did he end up with a 14 year old girl he ended up with a 14 year old girl who was not gonna take getting oh, out of the car yeah. for an answer no like, she was not gonna take oh she was determined an that's because she was so determined that's what and, i liked about their dynamic she was so determined and it was like that moment where they get pulled over by the cop who's just wanting to bust these kids yeah. like he all he wants to do is just bust these kids yeah. and she looks at him dead in the face and just goes i'm gonna tell this cop that you rape me if yep. you say anything that, to get me out of this car yep she's and like i'm gonna tell like, you rape me please do not speak yeah <laughs> she was and, such 
a trouble all night. It was, was so funny. But you notice how they end up still taking up for each other a few yeah. times. Well, the- I mean, I think one of the best moments in the movie is when he kicks her out of the car. Yeah. And then these other guys pull up beside her, pull up beside her, and start yep. catcalling her, and they are a genuine threat. Yeah. Those guys. There is a that moment in that movie where it gets actually scary for a moment mm-hmm. because these guys are a genuine. They threat. didn't care how old she was. They did not at all. Like they. Honestly, probably would have liked knowing she was a little bit younger. Yeah, these guys were out for something completely different. Oh yeah, they were out for kids. trouble. Almost like uh, yeah. what's his name, Nikki Cat. You know, remember? Yeah, yeah. That in, was in in the next movie. Yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> he was kind of like that. Like yeah. they were kind of more on that line. So he jumped into Big Brother mode. He, he did, definitely jumped into Big Brother. All of a sudden, mode. he comes flying up to her rescue, yeah. and then it was like this thing clicked with him where he's like, "I cannot leave this girl alone for the rest of the night." You know, yep. Because she actually needs yeah. my protection. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was like. And that was, like, to me, like, one of the best, like, things ever. And then the Richard Dreyfus character, his whole entire story is so wonderful. The whole entire night, he's just bouncing from car to car looking for this one girl. Yep. yep. There's this one girl that he saw. Yeah. And he's looking everywhere for her. Yeah. And... It gets all the way to the point where he goes to a radio station. Yeah. And there's a guy sitting there. <laughs> and he says, are you the Wolfman? The guy's like, no, I'm not the Wolfman. You know? Mm-hmm. And they have this whole entire long conversation. And if you... The thing that was so fascinating about it is that for me going into it, I knew what Wolfman Jack looked like. Yeah. Because my parents. Mm-hmm. And it's in particular, my mom mm-hmm. was obsessed with Wolfman Jack <laughs> when she was younger. Yeah. But for an entire generation of people... They were kind of like, is that him? Mm-hmm. Or is that an actor who is portrayed to be like him? Or who? Because that was the thing was that a lot of people at that time, we forget with today with, you know, like our culture today is you get on your phone and you immediately see somebody's face. Yeah. It's so rare that somebody doesn't show their face now. Yeah. And like immediately, you know, so like today you just don't have that. But at that time, mm-hmm. I mean, you hear how they talk about him in the, the story. And Mackenzie Phillips at one point says, my dad won't let me listen to him because he's black. Yeah. And he wasn't. No. You you actually meet him. You just assume he was. Because he his had, voice. Yeah, his voice. And he had so much swag. Man. He, he had so much swag. <laughs> he played great music. Yep. He had this gravelly voice. Yep. And so you just assume that that's who he was. Yeah. And he played this character that was unbelievable mm-hmm. that captured the imaginations of everybody who heard his voice yeah and then there's this great scene where richard dreyfus meets with him and asks for him to play a song to this girl mm-hmm. and there is such a deep melancholy in that scene i never really noticed that before yeah. in all the times i watched it mm-hmm. but this time when we watched it i was like there's a really deep melancholy oh, that's cool to that scene where it's just kind of like he's doing this thing but there is that element of like the only reason he's going this far is because he's probably saying goodbye. Yeah. Because that was the whole thing with this movie is that this is the moment before everybody takes their time going away. Yeah. Because everybody's about to go away at the end of this movie. Yeah. Everybody's going off to either college or the rest of their lives. You even have a moment where it's the one place, you know, we were talking about Pauline Kale earlier, mm-hmm. it's the one place where she actually brought up something that I think was a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. She gave a very negative criticism to uh, George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And it went as far as to call him a, a chauvinist. And I think, you know, like, I don't really know if that was necessarily the thing, but, like, definitely she had a good point, which is that at the end of the movie, he shows what happened to all the guys. Yeah. But he never actually tells you what happens to the girls. Yeah. And his reasoning, I thought, was a bad reasoning, which was, well, it would have taken up more time than what I had time for the song. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's 
that's a bad yeah, reason. That's lame. That's <laughs> very lame. <laughs> but like, I never really noticed that deep. He should have just said, I, "I didn't think about it. I was just yeah. coming from a male perspective because I'm a man." Yeah, but I would have. I would have respected. Yeah, because I would have respected that more because yeah. at least he's being honest. He's like, "I'm telling it from a male perspective." I yeah. wish he just would have said that. You yeah, know? me too. And instead, he he kind of had this bad reason for it. You know, it was kind of just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, but like. There is that very deep melancholy to this movie of everybody saying goodbye to a piece of their life. Yeah. By the time this movie ends, mm-hmm. all of these people are saying goodbye to their teenage years. Yeah. And they're, you know, stepping into that next part yeah. of their life. And that was like really, really incredible rewatching and realizing like this is kind of a very sad movie mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. But it's a. It's and it's a, funny, uh, the little synopsis is uh, how do you say it? synopses you synopses <laughs> that you <laughs> see at the end remember when they yeah. tell you what happens to the yeah. guys at the end those the little synopses yeah. so i was like that is funny and they they were pretty sad yeah you know it's like one of them went mia yeah went in, went in, to war in Vietnam. Right? In Vietnam and like yeah came up missing was never heard from yeah. city again i was like whoa yeah that was, was wild there was like and then because it made it feel more real though it did that's why i like i like that because i was like it feels so real it does <laughs> and then like one of the other things too is you know, i mean of course at the end when you have the race with harrison ford and the race goes wrong it goes yeah. so wrong Oh. And you're just like, wow. Because the car like blow up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they get into this really bad, bad accident, accident and the car blows up. Yeah, and he's dead. Yeah, well, I don't know. He didn't. He die, didn't die. But, like they, uh, they pull everybody out, and then oh, it was I don't remember Rick, him being pulled out. And then it was Richard Dreyfuss's girlfriend was in the car. Oh, and then he ends up grabbing her, and then they end up back together oh, for that last yeah, moment of right. the story. You're right. And it was just like, wow. It was like that. That because, wasn't Richard Dreyfuss. Um, girlfriend i thought it was his girlfriend who no, was, I it was, was a, the sister i thought it was ron howard that was he was his sister that was ron howard's that's girlfriend. right that's right yep yep you're right because yeah. remember that was the one where they yeah. were fighting all night yeah. yep and then he was right. like yep. we're not gonna be together going yeah. away from school and that was just one of those things where you're just like wow like they really did now in Rebel Without a Cause, the guy died. Yes, because that they, and that one. See, he, okay, yeah. and that's probably where I'm getting mixed yeah. up with because they were we we saw those very like back to back, back to back. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to think of the one where the car crashes and yeah. the person actually died. <laughs> and, and so like, but like even that, like you know the that ending when the they do the drag race finally, you've yeah. been waiting the whole movie for yeah. Harrison Ford to find this. I guy just wouldn't have the, done it. Yeah, you know why? Yeah, had nothing to do with the car crash or anything. It had to do with the beautiful cars. Yeah. yeah. I would not have wanted uh, to race in my beautiful cars. That, that's been one of my favorite parts <laughs> about watching some of these movies with you is your absolute <laughs> frustration with anything happening to any of these classic cars. I'm so mad. <laughs> they're so beautiful to me. I don't know why. Like, they're so gorgeous. Yeah. It was even in um, when we saw To Catch a Thief. Yes. Oh my God! It's one of the cars in there that just—it's ah, it's like main, a dream the, yeah, car. Yeah, kind of their main car. It's the burgundy one. It's the burgundy oh, and cream no, one. Oh, I'm talking yeah, about that's that the one. Other one. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. the one in the beginning that yeah, he was driving for. Yeah. He switched over, and then he yeah. had to get on the bus. Yeah. Yes, it was the dream car with that burgundy <laughs> and cream one. I love it so much. I'm yeah. like so in love with that car. Yeah. I'm so in love with that car. It's like yeah. I. I'm telling you, I was like, if I ever find a car like that, I'm 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 gonna do everything I can and get it. Yeah, just to yeah. have it. I don't, I don't care. Those it, when you go back and look at some of those cars, those things are unbelievable. Because yeah, you, you look at them and you just go like, these were cars that were not built to be crushed like coke cans. No, but these, they were a lot. 
They were made tougher, though. They were made way tougher. They were made those, tougher. Those were tough cards. Those, yeah. those cards almost remind me of like that Buick that I had for a while. Like, yeah. Like that How it'll take everything off the road. <laughs> yeah, it really would. I mean, like, now, of course, finally somebody took me off the road, but yeah. they had to be going 40 miles an hour yeah. to my sitting still at a light yeah. to take it out. Yeah. And even then, like, it, the, the frame on that car was barely bent. That's was, what I mean. It, the frame is... And that's what I mean. So think about it. That's why I'm so upset. Those cars were yeah. actually built very well. Yeah. Really tough. So to see it get crashed or like blown up, I'm like, yeah. no, that's literally like yeah. the like because it was a classic and it was the it was the best kind of cars at that time. Absolutely. And I was just like, they're better made than the cars today. Yeah. So I was like, they're, I was so mad when you take like really good stuff and you mm-hmm. trash it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, have a better respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> That was just me though, but for some reason I love those classic cars. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about classic cars in in movies makes me think of a couple of movies we can maybe watch tonight. That yeah, are good like kind of classic movies. Yeah, that have good cars. In oh man, I, I I'm gonna look. I'm gonna watch that movie one more time, or Which at least one? watch the scene with the uh the beige the cream color. Oh, you're trying to catch a thief. Yeah, yeah. the the burgundy and cream color. Because <laughs> I want to see what kind of car that is and look it up and just see how much they go for nowadays. Yeah, I wonder. Like we'd have. Yeah, we'll yeah, we gonna have to look it because yeah. I was like, I want to actually find out. Like yeah. I look. That is my ultimate like dream car. That's like dream dream. I was like, man, that's like fantasy because yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I ever get a car like that, but it's so gorgeous. It's, yeah. Like when I saw it, I just kept going. I was just like staring like I was drooling. I've never yeah. done that with anything. Uh, that's what was so weird. Hey, you know, if you did get that car, I would likely have to tell you that you got it out of the back of a comic book, <laughs> right next to the sea monkeys. You know what? <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> because speaking about classic cars, yes that actually brings us to our final movie yes our centerpiece movie yes and <laughs> probably the movie that we have maybe seen together the most out oh, of any man. movie we've watched i'm together. surprised that any copies that we have of that movie still work yeah yeah <laughs> we have a great robust criterion edition of the movie yes that you know keeps itself alive yes. and trucking no matter yeah. how much wear and tear it yes is. it will likely at some point get laser rock from the amount of times <laughs> that we have played that movie we have and that is richard linklater's 1993 masterpiece oh, days and confused yes my favorite <laughs> of all time that is like my favorite like young adult movie of all time like my favorite yeah it's my favorite i think that um there is no other movie that we've seen as many times together. Yeah. I think that there is no other movie that we've watched the special features so many times together. I know, of. We've yeah. seen that, that little hour and a half long yep. documentary that's on the Criterion yep. list at least three or four times together. And we usually don't watch that kind of stuff together. No, we don't. Not that often. But every time no. you're on there, when you want to show me something yeah. with the special features, I watch with you and it ends up being very interesting. And I'm yeah. glad I watched it. And it's really funny because uh, the older I've gotten, the less interested I am in them. Yeah. It's so funny to me that I realized the other day that I have gotten these Criterion movies or now, you know, lately I've been looking at all these Arrow movies and I realized that I have not watched any of almost features? any of the special features. <gasps> and you used to be big on that. I used to love them. So yes. and these days, I am so much more excited to actually look at the film yeah. than I am the special features. Yeah. That way, I have noticed that I look at those things less and less and less. Yeah. I feel like at this point, I know how a movie is made. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, 
Yeah, like the stories are all great, but I I would much rather sit down and read a piece oh, about than somebody than just sit down and watch like what? the documentary about them. Okay. Yeah, like with with some exceptions. Yeah, but for the most part, I've realized that these days I'd yeah. much rather go and actually find like a profile that was written okay. of somebody. Okay, because to me, there's something kind of more magical. Yeah, about that. Okay. But I think because it's so hard to find them now. I mean. You have you have one guy, in my opinion, who's writing great ones, which is Zach Barron, mm-hmm. and he's. Um, I know you've heard some of the big picture podcasts with me. Yeah, uh, Amanda, who's on there, her husband, okay, is writing these pieces for GQ. Got you. That, in my opinion, are better than. You know, no offense to the podcast, but anything that they've kind of been able to cover. Oh on there, wow! Okay, these are. Truly, truly. I'll actually send you the one that he wrote about Scorsese. Oh, wow. And I sent it to my dad, and my dad was like, that was, like, powerful. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, Marty sits down, and he talks about dying. Yeah. And he talks about how hard things are getting at 80, yeah. you know, and everything. And I'm like, wow. Wow. That piece was so powerful, yeah. and it is so well-written. He's, he's doing some great stuff. Okay. But... Other kinds of profiles, they're just not written anymore. Yeah. You know, so it's more exciting to me now to find those and then just watch a really good transfer of a movie. Yeah. It's so hard to find a good transfer of a movie yeah. right now. So, okay. like, finding good ones, that's that's my excitement. Okay, awesome. But Days and Confused, mm-hmm. written and directed by Richard Linklater. Yes. He reunites with his cinematographer, Lee Daniel, who he had worked with for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie has an extremely robust cast. Yeah. We got Jason London, Joey Laurie Adams, Mila Jovovich, Sean Andrews, Rory Cochran, Adam Goldberg, Anthony Rapp, Sasha Jensen, Marissa Rabizzi, Dina Martin, Michelle Burke, Cole Hauser, Christina Har- Haranos, <laughs> Wiley Wiggins, uh, Esteban Powell, Ben Affleck, who else? Parker Posey, uh, Nikki Cat. Renee Zellweger shows up for a split second in the background. And, of course, all right, all right, all right, we got Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> when was the first time you saw this movie? You... I think the very first... Oh, man. It used to come on TBS all the time, actually. Yes. That's actually the very first time I ever saw it yeah. was on TBS. And then... Yeah. Um, like I would catch it like little bits, pieces in here and there. Yeah. So I remember, remember I told you, I think I had never seen that movie all the way, all the way through until... Until we watched it. Yeah, until we watched it. But I I used to see bits and pieces on yeah. TBS. And then one time I saw it, like, maybe toward the end, maybe, like, yeah. on one of the, like, movie channels, like, Showtime or Stars or something, like, long, long time yeah. ago. I may have seen and I don't remember. And I remember it came on, like, one time, like, late at night, and I never got to, like... Yeah. I never got to see it again. I was like, I saw bits and pieces, and I want to yeah. see the whole thing. And I could never, like, catch it again until... You and I like put it on one day, and I just yeah. absolutely—I was like, okay, this is now my favorite. <laughs> I, I think time. the reason that I brought this one up is because I knew when we first started hanging out how much you love John Hughes movies, yes, and just teen movies in general, yeah. And I was like, well, the one that I know the best is the one that was one of three rite of passage movies yeah. that I had as a kid. Cause yeah. you know, it was like, we all, this movie, I mean, we've talked about this before. This movie is very special to me because it very, very closely resembled my own high school experience. Yeah. We did not get hazed by the seniors yeah. in this kind of way. Like, um, you got hazed in other ways, but not like this. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like this brutal. I mean, by the time, by the time I got into school, everybody was kind of, you know, Richard Linklater joked, and uh, the everybody wants some special features saying like all you guys hug each other 
every time somebody hugs each other, I'm going to call cut. <laughs> you know, he's like, you guys are getting so soft. Oh, no. By the time I got to high school, that was definitely a thing. You know, it yeah. was like everybody was kind of like, yo, what's up, man? You know, it's yeah, like. Yeah, y'all hugged a lot? Not really hugged it oh. so much as, I think now it's like people are even more huggy than we were. Yeah. It was more just kind of like, okay. you know, like the, oh. like the, you know, like just kind of like yeah. shoulder bump. Yeah, or like pounded. You remember people used to hold yeah, out their fists and you just, yeah. yeah. I, I think that was kind of the thing that I, yeah. you know, I did in high school more than anything yeah. else was that. But um, definitely we were a lot softer because the seniors did not like, <laughs> you know, throw us in lockers or like, yes. you know. It, 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 they did not paddle us. Yeah. That was not a thing. Yeah. But there definitely was, you know, like the, the element of it that I related to very, very closely was the element of when you got into high school, you met some of the seniors and then they kind of guided you a little bit. Yeah. And then, cause I definitely had that a little bit, yeah. not kind of, I wasn't like in the popular crowd or anything, Yeah. but my experience was very close to Floyd's Yeah. where I kind of bounced between a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to ask people these days, like, you know, what I was like in high school, they would probably see, say either absent or all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I definitely kind of floated around yeah. between people. So. I was just kind of like quiet and observant. Yeah. So, yeah. I was kind of, well, because at first I was like, who would I like, if I like chose, like if you chose a character. Yeah. Who would you closely met? Even if no one is closely, like who would you closely relate to? It was it, it's between uh, Floyd and the Wiley Wiggins character, oh, okay, and Mitch, okay, yeah, Mitch Kramer, okay. Um, like they were the two mostly because I think Mitch in particular because going into high school, I still played in sports a little bit, yeah. But then like by the time I was into high school, like I was definitely kind of more interested in being in a band and okay. watching movies and stuff like that. But I kind of had friends in every corner. So, yeah. you know, I had my friends that, yeah, they were stoners. And I, and I did have like those friends who were kind of a little bit more nerdy that would say yeah. stuff to me like, so was that a smoked or a liquid lunch? Yeah. Like that was kind of like, you know, like yeah. one of my best friends who you've met. Like yeah. that was definitely him. Yeah. You know, when I'd be walking past him in the hall, I just go, was that a smoked or a liquid lunch? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like no that was definitely yeah. part of like how i would and then i would also hang out with like jocks sometimes i would yeah. hang out with like kind of everybody I kind of floated around yeah so those were definitely that was definitely floyd was definitely a character i probably most closely can relate to in many ways okay because he was that character that had a little bit of everybody inside yeah, of yeah he did now the funny thing is is when i graduated from high school I probably most closely resembled Pickford for a while. Yeah. Oh, Pickford. Okay. Yeah. Where it was like, even mm -hmm. when we first met, yeah. I was definitely the guy that was smoke riding everybody. Yep. yep. <laughs> I was definitely the guy that was kind of yep. in my own little world, yep. off on my own. <laughs> yeah. That was just kind of like, I always was holding. Yeah. And you could always get in the car and ride yeah. around with me all through the night. Yeah. And yeah, that was probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is funny. That's funny. Okay. But like for you, who was like your your kind of character? I, I will pick between two too, but it's not entirely. They don't yeah really match me all that much. But I say the closest people was uh, what's her name, the quiet girl that they chose. Yep. To yep. kind of like go in and they kind of it's like she had to yeah, go through like the the ha yeah the freshman that had to go through the hazing yeah because she was really kind of quiet, laid back, kind of observant, yeah. a little soft spoken, and that's how I was. And a mixture, like a little bit mixture of her busy. Uh, what's yeah. her name? Yeah. Um, I always forget her first name. 
You're talking I, Marissa Ribisi. Yeah, yeah, Marissa Ribisi. So I was, I think I was a little mixture of the two of them. Yeah. If anything, if I would choose anybody in that. I was trying to remember her character. It was Cynthia. It's Cynthia. Yes. Cynthia. I was, yes. So if I had to choose, it it closely matches those two. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two I would say it closely matches because I was not like a cool kid at all. Yeah. Which is so funny because I was like, I could have easily been that, but I never like to put on for anybody. Yeah. Like I never, I was like, I am who I am. I never just, I, it was never in me to kind of like try to be popular or try to be friend of everybody. Yeah. Try to, it was never in me to do it. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, if I'm, if I'm quiet to you, then I'm quiet. Oh, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know how they used to say that, yeah. uh, the, what is the saying? Like rejection is God's protection. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I usually, that's how I saw it. Not yeah. when I was at that age yeah. but when I got older I understood a lot more yeah. that I was so grateful because I, when I look back at my life like now I go okay I avoided so many things and I'm talking about bad things yeah. from not trying to be in, in the in crowd with everyone yeah. like I like I avoided so many things like that I, I'm so happy I didn't go down yeah. that road because I had so many especially like the like the girls around me yeah. I had so many girls that were like getting pregnant like yeah. Right in yeah. their junior and senior years of high school. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm so glad. And a lot yeah. of them, I started off friends with, but by the time they were going off doing their own thing and yeah. having babies, I was not, we were not friends anymore. Yeah. And it's not because I was, of course, judgmental or anything. It's yeah. just, it, yeah, we just, naturally yeah, just, just natural, apart like, because we weren't yeah. interested in the same things anymore. Yeah. So we just naturally drifted apart. Yeah. And so when I look back at those things now, I'm like, I'm so grateful. Like, because like my life could have easily went that way. Because I was trying to be in with the in crowd. It could have yeah. easily gone that way. And it didn't. Yeah. So now I'm forever grateful. Now when I was then, when it was happening, I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, because you're kind of like, um, I'm, I I can't pretend to be cool. Yeah. But do you wish you had more friends? Yeah. Yeah. But I never wanted to pretend to be cool. I'm yeah. like, if people can't like me, I guess I'll always be the kind of yeah. outsider loner. Like, yeah. if no one likes me for me. Yeah. So I've always was like that. I was very headstrong like that. But I like, but yeah, sometimes it made you wonder, it was just like, yeah, sometimes I wish I had friends, but I wish I had the friends almost like Ali Sheedy. If I could, yeah, it's so funny because to bring up the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. if I could closely relate to anybody, I'm talking about more than anything, yeah. it's Ali Sheedy because even though, of course, <laughs> I'm not like white, so I'm not kind of emo like yeah. but i was very close to, i was closer to her and then than i was like anybody else in any like high school or teen movie i was closer to her and then you still anybody. make sandwiches that are just like popcorn and no i do no no i don't my teeth should not be in my mouth right yeah. now if that was true but no like i say i would closer like match her personality yeah and the way she carried her somewhere anybody because i was really kind of quiet i didn't try to put on of course she was more of a like put on goth person yeah. where I was not like yeah. I I truly just genuinely fell into those things because it made it allowed me to express how I felt in that time and in that moment in my yeah. life I got into a lot of emo stuff because yeah. it allowed me to express me because I was very quiet yeah so because of that I got into a lot of like like music and stuff that yeah. girls my age was not into at all they were yeah. like you like that stuff I'm like yeah yeah they thought I was like the weirdest like kid yeah. so <laughs> I would say I'm mostly match like Ali Sheedy's yeah. character yeah. but you know how like once you talked to her you found out she was such just a cool nice yeah. chill girl and that's yeah. how I was I was like I may come off like weird 
if you never talk to me. Yeah. But the moment you talk to me, I'm just as normal as you. <laughs> so that's kind of how I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But those are the two people that I was saying days in the yeah. that I'm mostly because you know like Rabizi's character, mm-hmm. she was like, she was just kind of like the cool, come and collect one. Like yeah, yeah. She's just like, and I don't know. They she didn't hang out with the popular girls. No, she didn't. But I don't know if they. She was quite nerdy either. No, because I, mean, I was she, not ner- I was not nerdy. No, I, I was she, not a nerdy one. She was definitely one of those kids that was like kind of like you know in debate club. And, you know, oh yeah, and just will argue things. Down. Well, like not really so much like argumentative, but just kind of one of those girls. Like I knew a lot of girls like that who were kind of like uh, they were. They definitely were more interested in their academic career than they were really hanging out. So mm-hmm. they just kind of had like a hodgepodge of friends. Mm-hmm. And those were some of the people that you end up realizing later on stayed the closest. Yeah, is it was either like the the really really so it's like the parker posies mm-hmm. of the world mm-hmm. are still hanging out and going on trips together yeah and there's something almost kind of slightly sad yeah. about seeing it it's yeah. like because they I, haven't fully moved on or grown up yeah or... like they're still definitely clinging on to senior year yeah and you know they all went to college close to each other mm-hmm. and all that stuff it's like i know a few people like that and then a lot of the people that i knew who were kind of a little bit more like her character and had kind of a hodgepodge of friends yeah either stayed really, really close with that group of friends or just kind of moved off and did their own thing. And mm-hmm. you randomly one day hear from somebody like, oh yeah, she, she's living in Seattle now. And yeah. it's like a manager of this. Or I, there was one girl I went to school with who was a lot like her. Yeah. And I found out one day that she's now developing games up yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And, and that I, sounds like something she would do, but you know how like every time she would talk, yeah. it was so cool coming like She was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. She, like she was ne- like it's almost yeah. like she never but she was always talking about these very existential moments. Yeah. Yeah. In in life that and whole in the kind world. Of group with yeah, and that's kinda how it was. Rapper. Once I would talk, like and that's what I was gonna say. When like when I was that age, I was I was a little bit more like her because the reason I said that is because I was quiet like the other girl, but yeah. I was but once I talked, because I didn't care for small talk all that much. Yeah. Like you couldn't hear me going, How about those? Like yeah. just bringing up something I wasn't interested in. If you heard me running my mouth, it's because yeah. I was very interested in it. Yeah. Like, it was a passion. Yeah. And that's how I saw her. And I was like, so I, that's why I say I closely matched my soul yeah. with her because that's how I was. Once I talked, like, you couldn't give me shit up if it was about something I was passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a dream about Abraham Lincoln. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, he was just body, so, with the head he was out of it. He was freaking out about life. He was like, I want to dance. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Anthony Rapp was one that had the dream. Yeah. But that I love Adam Goldberg just looking at him just like, sorry, man. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, and that was one of the funniest things to me is that Adam Goldberg is having a true just existential crisis yeah through that whole entire movie yeah. just out and out existential <laughs> crisis he did and you remember he was like i don't want to be like some ineffectual nothing in my life yeah. and i was just like you're going off it's like getting out of high school has made uh-huh. you like kind of go like yeah crazy because it's he, almost like he was that now that structure wasn't there. Yeah. It's almost like now I'm no longer confined by the structure. I, I, I'm going insane. I don't know what to do with yeah. myself. Well, you know, so was, it's one of the things I thought was so funny was that like, you know, from with that specific group, their whole entire thing was we're entering senior year. Yeah. And but it seemed like because have, it was coming to an end, he yeah. was starting to lose his mind. And the thing that I really saw with it was him kind of almost like, 
we know that after the summer we're going to coast through this last year. Yeah. And because like we've already done everything, like we, yeah, we've but, already. Yeah, but see, and, think and about so what I'm saying. Now moving into college. Yeah, think about it. And it seems like he is just like had this existential crisis about. I have spent my entire life ready for college, and now that I'm actually about to hit college, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like he was just going. Like yeah. his mind was like just he was losing it, yeah. and I was like, that is what I saw. I've seen. I saw a couple of people do that when yeah. like we were graduating. They yeah. were like scared. Yeah, and so they were starting to act out because they were scared, and I yeah. was like, this is so weird. Yeah, you had people that were scared, or people that you know, it just kind of like ended up doing something really really crazy yeah which yeah. i was always happy to graduate yeah you know that even to this day i still have no nostalgia for like high school yeah. or anything yeah like when i look back i'm like no i never missed it like i know some people that will later be like remember in high school and i'm like i don't talk about it now because yeah. i don't miss it like i've never missed high school i don't like i was ready to graduate i never missed it the main thing that i remember about my graduation day was that my brother and i were driving separate from my parents and he was driving my dad told my brother to follow him, and my brother was just irritated that my dad told him to do something. So he yeah. didn't follow my dad. Yeah. And he decided to go out through a different parking lot, and we ended up almost in Tennessee. Whoa, that's wild. We that's actually wild. saw signs for oh, Chattanooga. Oh, that's wild. And I was like, Ryan, I think we need to pull over. And we pulled over at his gas station, and they were like, I don't know where you are. Yeah. And I don't know where you're going. And I wish you the best. Yeah. And wow. And we were so lost. And wow. we didn't have smartphones. Yeah. There was no GPS in the car. Yeah. It was literally like, dude, go the other way, man. Wow. It was like, I was like, Days of was like, get the beer back, <laughs> man. man. <laughs> it was like, I was like, go the other way, man. <laughs> and I remember we, we left my graduation at like, you know, whatever time it ends, three o'clock in the afternoon. Because, yeah. you know, they do your graduation kind of in the middle of the day. Yeah. We left whatever it was, 3 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And we got home at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the main thing that I remember about my graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting home and it was like that. Because my graduation coincided. It was very odd. My graduation actually coincided with my grandfather passing away. Okay. Yeah, I remember you told me. So like on the, when we did my graduation party, the day before my actual graduation was when my grandfather we found out he was about to pass away. Okay. And so okay. on my actual graduation day, it was kind of coming home and getting ready for the funeral. And mm -hmm. I, I did go to a party that night, and I know I got, like, like really, really stoned. And yeah. Like, I woke up the next morning kind of like, how did I get home? Yeah. But, like, you know, back when you could get that kind of stoned. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. And I was like, how did I get home? Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, yeah, no, that was the main thing I remember yeah. when I graduation was my brother driving us the wrong way and us almost ending up in Tennessee. Oh, and my no. parents calling both of us, neither of us really wanted to answer because we're like, how do we, how do we explain this? Yeah. How yeah. do we explain that, like, he was, what, like, 20-something and just decided, like, I'm going to be rebellious today. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild that y'all ended up in Tennessee from his rebellion. Yeah. It's like he was like 27. Like, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> That's crazy. And also, we're like, I was like, dude, I think we need to turn around. I think we're in trouble. That's but no, wild. That was, but like, I guess like uh, to wrap up on this movie yeah. and everything, but like, um, this is a movie we quote a lot. Yeah, we do. What are some of your favorite 
quotes from this movie? Like, if you had to pick a few that would be, like, your favorite. Oh, no, you put me on the spot. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's man. what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and George Washington, man. Yeah. He, he was in the aliens, man. <laughs> and, of course... L-I-V-I-N. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite ones is still, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to, you know, stay in town, work for the city. Yep. City man. Yeah, you know, keep a little change in my pocket. Hey, here's a little more change for your pocket. Yeah. I think here's a little more change for your pocket yep. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> um, I, I do really, really love uh, uh, Ben Affleck. When we haven't even talked about Affleck oh, or yeah, McConaughey. Like, yeah, we have not. <laughs> Both of them are just unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. And I think Ben Affleck, one of my favorite bits of his is when they do the Night of the Hunter scene. Mm-hmm. Where he chases him up onto the porch and the mom comes yeah. out with a gun. And he says, I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, I was escorting your fine young son's home. There were some ruffians about. Yeah. Just the f- seeing Ben Affleck say the word ruffians. I know. Just kind of really and the, But me. the coolest part was the mom coming out with, like, a shotgun. Yep. I was like, all right. Yep. <laughs> he was like, was, get off my property. Yep. <laughs> and that was, it, that was one of the funniest things, too, is that... that it, that was one of the things that kind of really let you know that Richard Linklater was somebody different. Mm-hmm. The more that you researched kind of film history mm-hmm. is realizing that he would take a scene from Night of the Hunter and put it in the middle yeah, of, a of this like teen yeah, they, like, movie, yeah. you know, that like is a Universal Studios yeah. teen movie. Yeah. You know, that he would put the scene from Night of the Hunter or put a little detail that I always call out whenever we're talking. Uh, whenever we're watching a movie of, you know, all of the kids having to be like, good game, good game. Yeah, good, good game, game, good yeah. Game. That is such a major detail for me yeah. as a kid that used to have to do that, playing baseball. Yeah. That is my one issue with the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. What's the baseball? Wiley Wiggins cannot throw a ball. Yeah. And there's no way you can cut around it. Yeah. That always frustrates me. Whenever <laughs> I see his pitching stance, I'm just like, you have to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious when you said when you told me that I was like that is so funny you were like he cannot <laughs> he cannot throw a ball yeah. now that's remedied when we talk about the next yes movie that we're gonna do so we're we're gonna continue this with a college conversation yeah it's our part to the of part this series two. yeah and um that one our centerpiece will be everybody wants something yeah and so like that's kind of what we have up next on the on the docket for this yes but um is there anything else you want to talk about? No, with, uh, I'm, I'm good. I would just recommend. Movies? I would just recommend to see some of them, yeah. like because you know it's be- it's it's getting starting to get cold now. Yeah. It's fall. Yep. Uh, then it's heading into winter. I would just say, like, if you're gonna like kind of stay yeah. at home and kind of hibernate a little bit, yeah. I say check out some of these. Yeah, films. watch so, some summer movies. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah, and it'll remind you, like, when yeah. summer hits, like you'll really enjoy it because of those. So it'll yeah. take you back down memory lane. It will, and it'll also make you feel like maybe summer is right around the corner, even yeah. when you're cold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is so, the most important feeling. Yeah, so I, I was just recommending everybody like watching it. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back with. Um, that and then we'll be we have a horror yeah uh, kind of thing horror adjacent into horror yeah. like yeah we're kind of doing something a little bit different this year with it yeah um so we have that on the docket and then after that we're doing something really really special for the fall into the winter yeah that is gonna be very fun and exciting. yeah so yeah well 
If we don't have anything else, we'll wrap it up there. I'm Scott. And I'm Brittany. And this is the Film Cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs>